is a Finnish word that is hard to translate, but the loose connection could be drawn that it is about the willpower to keep coming back over and over again, like the King in Black himself. Hi, welcome to the Fake Nerd Podcast, episode 325. What a number. Uh, Big boys. Uh, just a little bit more than the amount of subscribers we have. Woohoo! Made it. Um, all right, I am Sparks Witty, and I am joined as always by Ryan Eliopoulos. It's me. I'm here to I'm here to kill Nazis and dig for gold. And I'm done digging for gold. <laughs> and Brandon T. McClure. I'm here too. And once again, not joined by Ben Magnet because he's in Hawaii. Uh, That's so the correct pronunciation. He will not uh, be joining us for this episode, which is fine. He is having a good old time wearing Kirby shirts, lounging on the beach. Looks real nice. Yeah, looks like he's having a good time, which, you know, good for him. Yeah, we could all we could all use a Hawaii here and there. We could all use good times. This is our Hawaii. Mm. Damn, I go to Hawaii every week. Hell yeah. Exactly. That'd be a big boy dream. Well, Sparks, if you're done with your beautiful intro, I think I can say some links, yes? I could make up some more stuff, but I feel like we might as well just move on. No, all right, so... Let's do some links. Um, Sparks. Actually, you know what? I'm going to do this because he's not here. Um, Grayson Live uh, posted a lot of basically like a week's worth of um, his 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 playthrough of Mega Man X with uh, Ben. And well, Ben's playthrough that he watches. And uh, three of those episodes are linked below. Uh, you can check them out now uh, if you've been following along. Um I also joined Kaiju Weekly. I did. I've uh, mentioned many times that um, I'm an editor for KaijuRamenMedia.com, um, and together the the five of us, yeah, the five of us who kind of help make that magazine and website a thing, um, decided to do a Kaiju, um, a, a Kaiju kind of news roundup, and so we've adopted the name Kaiju Weekly, which is uh, the show that they that uh, Travis and Michael did before they started Kaiju Ramen. Uh, so it's a new it's a new Kaiju Weekly. Um, myself, Nathan Marchand, and um, Travis and Michael, um, who uh, have graciously graciously welcomed me into their into their team, the Kaiju team. So I was on that first episode. Nope, I was on the second episode. The second episode. I was gonna say, wasn't the first episode last week, and you weren't there. That's true. I was not there um, for the same reason we didn't do this show, actually. Um, but yeah, I um, uh, I finally got to join them on the second episode. That's linked below if you guys want to check that out. Um, I did have to dip a little bit, a little bit, um, but an hour and a half in because uh, I, I just had things to to go do. Um, but it was a lot. Of, it was a lot of fun. Great time. Really happy to be part of that team. Uh, check that out. Hell yeah. Um, Sparks. Yes, sir. Tell us about Bapham Jedi. Fall, uh, Fallen oh, Order. Uh, yeah, okay. So there is a video now for the audio of the review for Jedi Fallen Order that we released in early 2020, probably the last thing we recorded in person together before the pandemic started. Wow. Um, and that had a this is before Streamyard because it was pre-pandemic and so i had the video files and i realized they were just sitting around i'm like well what a perfect time to finally release a video of it so so that came out um due to some technical buffoonery with the audio this took me much much more time to actually get out than it should have and when i set out to do it i was like this will only take me like 45 minutes 
It was a lot longer than that. <laughs> it was. Um, so it's there. So please, you know, like if you haven't listened to our review of Jedi Fallen Order and you're interested, like please go watch the video. Or now there is a new version of the audio on the pause menu feed. So there you go. Archive episode because uh, Jedi Survivor came out. So we, we got something out on time. The Yay. Jedi Archives. Very cool. Um, and uh, I did um, my conversation with Karis Lunn. Um, for those of you who didn't catch the 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 episode last, the last episode, I'll bring it up again. My uh, first episode of season two of Conversation is up finally. I was able to I was able to finally get it up. I've revamped most of the show. The only thing not revamped are the interviews. Um, the uh, the interview with Karis Lunn, uh, who joins me again from season one, um, for to talk about her show Journey into Fandom. I talked, I talked to her about it last year um, and I was able to finally get it out. So season season two of Conversation is off to the races. It, it, is, it is finally out there in the wild. Uh, more episodes come out every other week. Um, but if you want to check out the first episode, check it out. It's in the description below. I'm really happy with it. I hope you guys enjoy it. Hell yeah. Whoop whoop. Season two. And two Fake Nerds Watch episodes are in the description and they are both endings to third seasons. Of, of shows in space of shows in space um uh, which is insane so star trek no uh, yeah okay star trek picard season three has come to an end with its 10th and final episode uh called the last generation and it is also the end of my journey with cookie from just a little podcast for now man well let's be honest mike also said for now and where's that guy been Cookie, I, Cookie has been on two different shows with us that have both have, have both ended, unfortunately. <laughs> so. Um, but was really happy to get to do it. Um, I had a great time talking about Star Trek Picard this season. Um, honestly, I enjoyed talking about the show more than I enjoyed watching it, and I really enjoyed watching it. So that says a lot. Um, I had a very good time discussing it with Cookie. Cookie, thank you so much if you're listening to this for being on that show with me. I know I said it on the on the podcast. Um, congratulations on your upcoming child. Um, you might say it begrudgingly, but he says it. No, I'm serious. Um, <laughs> Mag uh, in the in the chats uh, yelling yelling space. That's a, that's a, a reference. Good job, Mag. You're you're a real one. I do get that mm-hmm. reference. Um, but yeah, Star Trek Picard, real quickly, just great show, great season. Really enjoyed that season. Um, it was the nostalgic ending to these to the Star Trek Next Generation that I really desperately needed. It's perfect. No. It's got its ups and downs, but those ups are really up. There's some great, insanely great highs um, that I was very happy to experience. And um, I better not see this crew again. <laughs> They've yeah. ended their story. Leave it. Yeah. By all accounts, I've heard the season uh, uh, is good and it ends well. So I'm like, that's fantastic. Because like, yeah. if there was like another season of the show where people didn't like it, and that's just three bad Picard, that's like, man, that's just so sad. That's like, I never. That's not a world I would want to live in. We're like, yeah, the Patrick Stewart show sucks. Like, yeah. That's a bummer. All who knew? All it took was to get the original cast back together. Yeah. Again, the thing they seems like most fans probably should. Did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, hey, if, if, you're, if it had to go out, if it if it had to go out with only one season being good, it should have been the last season. It's yeah. true. Um, if you're a Riker fan like me, like I love William Riker. Um, he's one of my favorite characters. He is my favorite character in Star Trek. If you love him like I do, great season for William Riker. Just saying. 
that's enough of that. I talked about it last week. If you guys, I've, I have 10, 10 episodes of Star Trek Picard season three. Go check those out if you want more of that. Um, link below. And finally, The Mandalorian season three might also be the series ender. It's not, but it feels like it. Yeah, it could be if if this weren't Disney who, you know, milked everything into the ground. Well, The Mandalorian season three has come to an end as well. And so as our uh, series on The Mandalorian, Fake Nights Watch. So that's linked below. Um, anything you want to say final about Mandalorian? Um, I think it's, there's a lot of great stuff. It is my least favorite season. Um, I still think that episode seven is like was really awesome. And I just wish like the whole show kind of felt like that. Uh, I just really loved it. Uh it's good stuff in the finale, you know, not the, not the worst thing ever. Um, I just wish I felt stronger on it. Again, like, I kept mentioning in those reviews, like, man, like, it makes me look so much more fondly on seasons one and two, because I know I was a little critical, and, like, looking back, I'm like, nah, I should have appreciated what I had. <clears throat> sure. I I want a Bo-Katan spinoff. The book. Sure. Yeah, I don't care if it's a movie, yeah. a miniseries, I don't care. Um, I think, I, I don't think they should try to follow any more Bo-Katan Mandalore stuff like in a heavy handed way in this show in the Mandalorian, because I don't think audiences will like that at this point. And I think trying to do two things at this point would hurt the show, especially rather that it focuses on what it wants to do with Din and Grogu at the center that can tie back to Mandalore, but it shouldn't do it a lot. I want something that's actually just focused on Bo-Katan and Mandalore. Sure. Yeah, I agree with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. I wasn't too crazy about the season, but I enjoy talking about it. So yeah, um that's all the links in the description below uh check those out both audio and video uh from any of those links so please check them out regardless of your uh depending on your interests and um yeah that's it who wants to go first of the week oh no do it still watching succession still watching nope yellow jackets wasn't this week they took a week off and it hurt my brain i really didn't like that uh still watching lost still it's a great show um um i finished battle scars the jedi survivor prequel book it's cool. It's fine. There's some really good stuff. I think it ends pretty strong. Uh, I do think it. Uh, I enjoyed the last. I'm not gonna say third. I'm gonna say the fourth. The last fourth of that of that book a lot more than the previous third. Not that I. I talked about it last week. Uh, 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 I think we talked about Tuesday. Tuesday. Oh yeah. <laughs> time. Same week. You're right. Um, yeah, I think that book's fun. Um, uh, I've started playing that sequel game, and as so far, there's been like very little mention of anything that happened in that book, which bums me out. Uh, uh, cause you know, that's like the time has passed in between the first game and the second game, obviously, but like years also passed between the book and the second game. So like, there's just like one offhand mention of the one thing that's in the book. I'm like, oh, like, I kind of wish they were a little more tied together, but it's, it's have no you, big deal. Have you started the game yet, Brandon? I played the first, uh, basically the first mission on Coruscant. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, like it does feel a little like I agree with Ryan's assessment. Like I'm not done with the book yet, but um, I'm a big, 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 big chunk uh, closer. Um, I'm, I'll be finished this week, I'm sure. Uh, and I agree with Ryan that like we meet a lot of new characters at the beginning of that book. Gee, it would be kind of cool if they were in the book or, or at okay. the beginning of the new game. Oh, interesting. It's his whole, yeah, it's because it is a the book's a, a a basically a side story of like them dealing with a bunch of bounty hunters and stuff, um, and it's cool. But like, there's a there's literally a one line reference of that like basically they hit the, the entire book and it's like one line. I'm like, uh. maybe maybe that you didn't have this feeling, but I did have this feeling when I start the game and like Cal's with this whole other crew. Mm-hmm. Mild spoilers for Jedi Survivor, but it's, it's the beginning of the game. It's literally the beginning of the game. Yeah. Um, but uh, Battle Scars at least has made me feel a little like, oh well, I'm glad I at least get this one adventure where the whole crew is the crew I was psyched to follow from the end of the first game. Yeah. Um, 
all all mm. together because yeah. I get the feeling that's not going to happen in Survivor. Yeah, it's not it's not a it's not a spoiler, but like like five years have passed from that first game, yeah. and the crew is not together anymore. That's not like a spoiler. That's not a spoiler. That is what the, the game is, and it's getting the crew back together for this big mission. Um, and I just like you know when I read generally when I read uh, tie-in books or like a comic books like like there's more interconnection there, and like it is cool just to have a side adventure, but like I personally didn't find the writing good enough for me to be like, oh, I'm super happy I read this entire book, to be mm. honest. Uh, the last fourth, I, th I think it's some good stuff. Um, but like most of it, I decided was like, this is really nice and fluffy and that's fine, but it, I just don't know if it's for me. Uh, it's, it's, it feels very fluffy. Also, mm. I didn't like the person who read it in the audiobook, and I think that also hurt it. Who reads it? Just some guy. Some guy. Some guy. Mm. Uh, I'm reading, I, I restarted the, not restarted, but I'm now back into the Thrawn audiobook. I will, and that audiobook is insane. I, I will say it does feel like, to me, I, I hadn't looked at the audiobook, but it does feel like it should have a female you narrator. Think, you think. No, it's a guy, again, all those intimate Like It's, definitely, it's definitely like <laughs> female skewed, so it yes. feels like it should have a female narrator. Nah, it's a dude doing all the lady Regardless of the accents. Like, you're following Cal, you're also very heavily following Marin. It's, yeah, it's mostly Marin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, um, uh, I am also, I started a Jedi Survivor. Uh, I'm enjoying it so far, unfortunately, uh, uh, which isn't the case for my friend here, luckily. Uh, I am experiencing a ton of issues with it, uh, and it is, it is, uh, uh, a lot of reviewers have said it, like a lot of people online are like, yo, they're having a lot of a lot of trouble. Uh, specifically on PC, uh, but PS5 and Xbox are having a lot of issues too. Um, it's just really framey and it's really stuttery and in times when it shouldn't be. Specifically in like cutscenes, when like I'm not doing anything, I'm just watching a video and it's like hiccuping and like the audio is hiccuping and, and like textures are not loading in until like two seconds later. And it's, the game is great, I'm enjoying it. It is incredibly poorly optimized. It's just it's one of those things where like it needed another another coat of paint on it. It needed more polish, and it, this isn't God of War where God of War can take as long as it wants. This is a Disney Star Wars game that has to come out when that release date is out, right? Um, it's not as bad as Cyberpunk. Um, um, like I'm still like I'm still having a great time, but like uh, I told him earlier, like uh, BD just like disappeared off my back, and then when he reloaded in, I couldn't hack or do anything, so I had to restart the save. And I'm oh, like, geez. that's just. That shouldn't happen. Like it's for for you bought the game, but for a seven dollar game, like you know, like God of War is such a is such a standard, man. That is like that is an impeccable game. Like I had no issues with that game, and like this game, like it just bums me out because like I know the studio is capable of like good stuff. They just didn't have the time for it. Mm -hmm. um, but hey, if you like that first game, it <clears> is that, but more. It's very much a God of War Ragnarok thing. Where like, hey, you start with everything you had in that last game, and they quickly give you more. Uh, you very quickly get a grappling hook at the beginning of the game. Favorite things about it um, so far is just that you're not set back; no. you are set forward. It is honestly, it really reminded me of Arkham City, both because you start uh, chained, chained up, just like Bruce Wayne, but all, you already start with all your abilities and stuff, uh, and you very quickly realize, oh, there's like multiple stances, and you can have multiple stances equipped, so you can have, and you unlock more. And I know what those are, but I'm not going to spoil them because they're really cool. Um, it's just like. It, it is a superior game in like every way like that you want a sequel to be it's just unfortunate that like i've had to restart the game because of a bug and that's just like you know games are hard i get it like i'm not you know i'm not like i'm not mad at the developers i'm mad at the publisher who makes them put out un unfinished games um also last thing i'll say is i'm probably the farthest in i got to who the villain is of the game and i gotta say i really hope they do more story stuff to build it up because his reveal is like kind of i thought it was pretty bad okay <laughs> pretty bad um it is a very quick it's very quick 
and like, okay, this is now the mission. And I'm like, I, it, I was jarred. Um, uh, so I hope uh, the next 20 hours, you know, fleshes all that stuff out. Um, but like, it was a very, very sudden thing that really turned me off a little bit. Um, but you know, it's great seeing all the homies again, spoiler, you meet your friends again, believe it or not. Uh, it's great. It's lovely. There's an incredibly great conversation when you meet Greece for the first time. That's like incredible. Like the writing in this game is really, really good. Uh, it is a awesome game and, uh, you can give Cal a mullet and a, and a curly mustache. <laughs> I found a short beard in a chest, and I laughed out loud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's uh, my It's mostly Star Wars. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm. Yeah, like I said, I only beat the Coruscant uh, levels. I, I really like it so far. I love the gameplay. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, that's that's my week. So yeah, I'll yeah. I'll piggyback off you and say that I'm I'm also playing Jedi Survivor a bit. Um, I'm off course on. I'm a little ahead of you, Brandon. Um, uh, I I will be going at a certain pace uh, because. My mom is actually like going through it with me. She watched a movie edition version of Jedi Fallen Order, which we finished this week. So she's like all up on the story. Um, I have had none of the bad experiences Ryan has had, which is just bizarre, but um, it is what it is. So I'm having a slightly more pleasant time. Um, Yeah, excited to be playing it. It's been since Tuesday. What else do I have to talk about? I've continued to listen to DN Dark. Not caught up, but I'm close. Oh, can we talk about the bit that you got to, though? Oh, didn't we talk about it on Tuesday? I can't remember. It was Tuesday. I'm pretty sure we talked about it on Tuesday. Okay, well, we'll go back to Tuesday then. And we'll... <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. Uh, I, I've given Ben endless... Yeah, I'm pretty sure we brought this up on Tuesday. Yeah, I think so. I have, I have given Ben endless amounts of crap for um, disintegrating his, his Bone Club hammer uh, when he had a spear. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, D and Dark's great. I'm where Larry is a werewolf. Um, oh, so yeah. Good stuff. That's yeah, really yeah. That's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. Um, okay. Uh, Dragon Ball Super. I'm caught up on the manga. Are you caught up uh, on the manga, Brandon? I keep forgetting. I got it because I got to download Manga Plus now because sure. of what happened is. So I'm I'm still behind. I got keep forgetting. I got I got to do that. I I will tell you that the last two chapters have been mostly the movie retold in manga form with mm-hmm. a little bit of added material that's like what you didn't see that was just out of sight or in between scenes mm-hmm. um i'll give you an example in the manga version of the superhero story krillin was working for the police who actually were already catching on to the fact that the red ribbon army was going to recruit dr Hedo and knew that the red ribbon army was coming back and so krillin is tailing the car when Hedo is gets in at the beginning of the movie but Hedo sends a b android that throws krillin off his game and makes him lose the tail um and it really i was upset about it because it makes krillin look like a little bitch and i understand that it's like there to functionally work around what happened in the movie but include new material but Mm. i was like wow this makes krillin look incredibly lame Mm. and like also like how did the movie go the way it went if the police were aware the Red Ribbon Army was amassing power and that they were borderline on their way to rebuilding Cell, which is part of what like the manga chapters before with Trunks and Goten are leading into. Right. Um, yeah, they explain why Trunks and Goten couldn't join the fight. It's because their moms found out they were being superheroes and were like, no, more studying. Mm, yeah, yeah, that sounds like Chi-Chi. Womp womp. Uh, <clears throat> sorry. Mm. Wait, that doesn't sound like Bulma, though. No, it doesn't, but there it is. Um, I'm Weird. very like... 
I'm very like I really liked the Goten and Trunks adventure stuff. It lasted for about three chapters, and now here we are at the retelling of the film, and I'm like, I still kind of wish we were just telling different stories in that, like, three-year gap that we decided to just jump. Um, but whatever, I guess. Uh, it's cool that Broly's back in the manga, um, because that's where we've left off currently, is they're, they're picking up on the planet stuff with Broly and Goku fighting with each other, and I'm like, cool. Okay. But are you going to tell me anything new? I guess not for another three or four chapters. I mean, but that's kind of the thing that we talked about when it was first announced that they were going to come back and do the time skip. Because, like, you could do... Like, it just doesn't make any sense that in the three-year time skip, Vegeta and Goku were just away? Just training? Yeah. Three years? Frieza Black screwed them up so badly that they were just like, okay, three years nonstop training, let's go. I don't know, man. I just am like, we'll see. We'll see where it's all heading. Because obviously the manga is going to go past the movie at some point. So and it's just it's just one last thing I want to say about that. As someone who's not caught up, it's just like you you left the manga before the time scap in such an interesting place. that You just decided to be like, nah, we're good. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. But, you know, you know, what's another manga that I'm. Uh, caught up on now that's just like knocking it out of the park all the time <laughs> it's chainsaw man mm-hmm. fully caught up once again on chainsaw man and it's really great i think that manga is fantastic i think they're still doing a bang up job um one of my favorite things i talked about it when i started part two of chainsaw man is that it's very much focusing on a new character with no direct connection to chainsaw man at first uh and it's been that way for about 40 chapters with a few vague third person perspective appearances of chainsaw man um and now the last like 20 ish have started to really bring chainsaw man back into the center of the story and like interconnect these two characters um in a way that i find very true to what chainsaw man has always been very compelling um I really like these characters. There are have been chapters in my catch-up that are some of the like real gut punch moments for character beats and what it means to live in this world where devils constantly just kill people. Um, and I'm thrilled. And I was telling Ryan this off air. Um, I'm I'm also really pleased that like the overall fan community for Chainsaw Man has not been upset about the lack of Chainsaw Man being at the center of the story. Like, I can't think of a lot of other things that would be okay with the titular character being gone for about 40 chapters. Um, so it's really nice that, like, everybody agrees, no, this is, like, good, this is good stuff still. Uh, okay. And has not complained about his absence. Um, I think it's only made his re-entry into the story stronger. Uh, Mag in the chat. Mm. Uh, it's been a roller coaster for Hero Academia for me being it's, it's in the final arc. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know that. I, I did know that the manga's in the final arc. I'm nowhere near caught up, but that's uh I'm sure that's a lot. I'll watch the anime. <laughs> I'll get there one day. But yeah, that's all. Alright. Um I don't have a lot. Um but I want to talk about Renfield for a minute. Because sure. I got because I got to see Renfield. You guys reviewed it a couple weeks ago. We did. Um and I didn't listen, I haven't listened to that review yet because I hadn't seen it. Can you tell me what you guys thought of it real quick real quick? It was fine. I gave it a seven. I also gave it a seven. Yeah, probably the same. Um, it's it's 
I actually found myself really enjoying the first two thirds. Um, I found the action to be very good. I found it to be very funny, um, especially in the beginning. Nick Cage is really fun. Mm -hmm. Um, But there were elements that I wasn't quite driving with that were kind of in the background that became the foreground at the last act where I'm kind of like then, And then I'm kind of like, oh, okay. No, I hundred uh, percent. Uh, like this, there was like the, the family stuff with with um, Aquafina. Oh no, actually, oh. I, I thought that, that stuff was okay. It was. I think Ben Schwartz is. I think, I think Ben Schwartz is pretty fun. I don't care for Aquafina in, the, in this role. I don't think this is the kind of role that she's good at. Um, I like her generally. I, I really like her in Ocean's Eight. Um, but I don't know. Maybe she just. I don't know. Um, yeah, the it, was, like, it was like the real quick. It was the extended family stuff with like bringing like oh like it was her dad and like all that stuff and her sister like that was just extra extra stuff that like I didn't I didn't need any of that. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'll just add on that like my assessment that we went through with the podcast review is very much like a dragging its feet on things that we really should have been moving through a lot quicker and then moving too quickly through the things that were interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And that that kind of pacing really messed with me. Uh, I do want to know one thing, Brandon. Mm. There's a certain point in the movie where Ben, Ryan, and I all felt the same thing. Did you also think that the crime family was going to be revealed to be werewolves at a certain point in the movie? No, that never occurred to me. Okay, they're, they're it happened to us. us. There's a shot when they're all surrounding them, the police and the crime family, and it focuses on their SUV pulling into frame, and their logo is revealed to be the wolf. Oh, And we were like... Oh, is Dracula gonna like get together with them and we're gonna find out they're werewolves? Because yeah, that uh, would be a whole other like wild third act, and then that didn't happen. Uh because Lobos, there's like that's like a type of wolf as well, and they're named like mm. his name's like Teddy Lobo or whatever. So like I thought like that was gonna be a secret third act reveal that like, oh, it's actually a werewolf crime family. It wasn't that interesting. <laughs> that would have been interesting. I didn't I hadn't ca- I didn't catch that, but that's you'll that, that, you'll cool. hear all our thoughts on like, oh, this uh in the review. Um but there's a couple of things that I that I, that I did that again like I like the action I really like how gory it was quite honestly, um, and like there's a bit where spoilers it's been a couple of weeks um, where where uh, Nicholas Holt kicks Ben Schwartz so hard just all of his organs just like go out of both of his orifices mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was incredible that's um, a uh, that's a Mortal Kombat X fatality because you see his bones break and everything and that's like yeah. what happens in Mortal Kombat I'm like that was very cool. Yeah, and I, I thought I thought a lot of the jokes landed for me. I mean, I've got pretty lowbrow humor anyway, so it, it makes sense that it would. But yeah, all in all, it's a it was a fine, entertaining film. Yes, yeah, I didn't hate seeing it. Um, I watched the first episode of Sweet Tooth, uh, season two came out this week. Oh my um, god! Yeah, oh. and uh, I'm happy to say it's incredible. I'm sure. Um, Sweet Tooth, I forgot how good the show was. There's a recap in the beginning, which is nice because I I forgot a lot about, uh, I forgot certain things, not everything, but I forgot a, a lot of certain things. And just going through the recap, I'm like, oh, wow, yeah. Man, this show is really good. And then the first episode hits and you're like, oh, man, yeah. This show is really good. I'm happy to hear that. I don't uh, expect I'm, I'll get to it soon. I'm really happy that it came back as strong as it did. I've only seen the first episode. But um, they're doing some really interesting stuff with Gus and the other hybrids, and where we left the where we left um, certain characters off in the last and and the final episode of the last season. Um, yeah, I'm thrilled that it's back, and I'm thrilled that it's good. Can't wait to watch more. Hell yeah! 
I'm going to bring up Mrs. Maisel. I watch Marvelous Mrs. Maisel quite frequently. That's on his fifth and final season uh, for Amazon Prime. And I really enjoy that show. Um, I find it very relatable um, and very funny. I, I find the lead to be incredibly hilarious. And there, there's some things real quickly. I'll just talk about the, a, a lot of that story is working for me. But in the beginning of every episode is a flash forward to the 1980s. Because the show takes place in 1961 currently. So it flashes forward to the 1980s where she's like this famous stand-up comedian whose husband is in jail and or ex-husband. I don't we don't actually don't know if they got got remarried. Um, and they her best friend, the me like they hate she hates her best friend now. The, the and I I hate that stuff so much. And it's really bringing down the show. Thankfully, it's only in like the first act of every episode. And I forget about it by the time that the episode is over because they're pretty long episodes. But it's just so weird to me that we're doing this because it serves no purpose to the story that's happening in the show. And it and it just like there's no like, oh, remember when that happened? Flashback to the none of that. It's just a completely unrelated story set in the set in the late 80s. That just has no bearing on what's happening in the 60s. How many episodes have you, or have you watched so far in the season? I Every episode that's out, I think that's five or six. Okay, that's a lot. Because I was going to say, like, I, like, obviously I'm not watching the show, but, like, I am sure there will be a connecting tissue. I just assume by by episode six you would have seen it. It might yeah, just be too. a really late thing, and that sounds bad. Yeah, it might be. But I, yeah, I don't know. So that, that stuff doesn't work for me. Otherwise, the show is still very funny and very engaging, and I really like what's going on in it. Um, all my favorite characters are back. Um, Lenny Bruce has, is so so good in that show. Every time he sees him, I'm like, oh, Lenny. Um, but there was the lit, the last episode that just aired this week um, was about how Mrs. Maisel accidentally committed an act of piracy because they were in international waters briefly. And she th- and she was trying to protect this girl from being sexually uh, sexually uh, harassed by this by this um uh this man and by by doing this she kind of gets herself into trouble because his jacket falls off the boat and and his jacket is his wallet and so he's like oh I was I was just talking to this nice young lady and she assaulted me and da, da, da. and so she gets in trouble not really because the guy her her real boss like knows better this guy's probably being a jerk. Um, and she, and so the Coast Guard has to be involved in because she technically committed an act of piracy because money in, uh, in, um, international waters technically called loot. <laughs> anyway, that's all incidental to what I'm trying to say, which is during the credits, they played when you're a professional pirate from the Muppet Treasure Island movie. Mm. And I thought that was incredible. And I was like, oh my God, I love this song. I forgot how good it's Tim Curry is. The whole thing is it's ripped from that movie. And I, I was so bizarre. like, oh my god, they're playing Professional Pirate from Muppets. And it's like, oh, I haven't seen that. So we watched Muppet Treasure Island, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which is the last thing I'll talk about because that movie rules. Sure. Um, I, 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 lo- I haven't seen that movie in a really long time, and I forgot how hard that opening goes. Um, mm-hmm. Shiver My Timbers, I think is the, the song title. Yeah. Incredible movie. It's so funny. I love Tim Curry. Tim Curry... The the two literary adaptations uh, that Muppets did, Christmas Carol and Treasure Island, both leads of Tim Curry and Michael Caine. Phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. It's been one of my great privileges with Twitter 
one of the few things I'll praise it for of, of growing up and recognizing that everybody knows that those two Muppet movies were excellent and recognizes that it is a truth that it is because Michael Caine acts as a human living in a world of Muppets who thinks it's no big deal and <laughs> uh, and everyone else treats him just like a human mm -hmm. and that Tim Curry is a Muppet while he is a human. <laughs> yes. Um, the, the the song When You're a Professional Pirate is one of my favorites. I think he's so good. He's so good as Long John Silver. Um, the the I always forget just how fun and charming and delightful that movie is. Um, I, I really love it. Oh, wow. I um, think I think he's the best Long John Silver I've seen on film. Like uh, yeah. I know like Muppet Treasure Island is a parody of Treasure Island. So like it's hard to call it fully faithful, but I'm like, he is all the hallmarks of the character. And I think yeah. he gets the piracy and sincerity towards Tim. Uh pitch perfect. It, like, just like Michael Caine is the one of the best Scrooges, regardless you, of the fact that it's in a Muppet version. You talk about it like you, you talk about it like you said it's a, it's a, it's technically a parody, and you're right, it is technically a parody but the bit at the end when long john steals the boat and yeah. and stares down jim with a gun and yeah. jim's oh my god that's right. acting yeah no 100 percent. where like i i do not think the actor playing jim is very good but i do believe that tim curry loves that boy give yeah, me too <laughs> there's a bit where where like they're the pirates are about to mutiny on long john uh, uh, when they find the treasure and and he goes run boy and he like takes out his guns and and the kids are like why would you do this to me he's like because i like you jim i i thought you wouldn't i thought you knew i wasn't lying about that i'm like oh yeah long john yeah it's it's very good like i've there's been good long john silvers but tim curry's perfect black sails which is an incredible stars <clears> pirate <throat> show has john silver and it's his oregon story Mm. That's oh, really, that's really cool. good. That's how he sailed from Oregon to Oregon to Massachusetts. Mm. <laughs> a Black Sails is also a great show. Um, mm. Yeah, the the music. I forgot how much of the music I still remembered. Um, it was just mouthing along with it. It's it's um, it's a great movie. Great movie. It's been too long since I've seen it. That's it. That's my week. Beautiful. Shall we go into our bread and butter? Yum yum yum. All right, here we are. Bread and butter time. Yum, yum, in my tongue. Jerry Springer died. Did he really? Yes. Yeah. I do not know. Rest, rest in peace, I guess. 79 years old. Cool. I, he uh, exploited lots of, lots of people. I, that is how I feel, too. I have seen a lot of people praising a lot of different aspects of what Jim, Jerry Springer did off uh, air. Sure. things that were in his his personal life and i'm like i guess i never really heard these stories before but i'm like the the cultural imprint of jerry is undeniable and massive uh to to me um yes i think it, it was the kickoff of just like a lot of not necessarily soulless but um grim exploitation to come uh that's that's me i, I watched i mean i watched it when i was younger i thought it was like interesting <clears throat> and like Wow, look at all these crazy people and then you then you you're watching as an adult and you're like oh man look at all these sad people <laughs> uh that are being exploited for for because they're gonna get a quick buck from jay springer uh i'm sure he did some great stuff i didn't know about any of it i only know about the bad show he made so uh sucks when somebody dies though mag has oh, yeah. something to say about about jerry springer i'll always remember jerry biting dr evil's legs. that's right yeah okay that's a plus one for him i guess 
Um, yeah, I have no really opinion. I actually never saw anything related to Jerry Springer. Um, I only knew the name. It was kind of one of those names that you just like always knew, like culturally in the zeitgeist, just his he, name. He was one of those guys who like showed up in movies as either himself, like like that, or like mult in multiple things. Or I think like, that's probably how I knew his name because he showed up in movies. Yeah. Yeah, he's like a Dr. Phil type of guy, you know, who gets yeah. really famous. I mean, like, like you said, like cultural osmosis. I'm sure you knew, like the you know the Jerry chant and everything Jerry, like that. Jerry. Um, Steve, uh, that's real. <laughs> Steve is his bodyguard guy who got his own show. <laughs> I think oh, there'll really? be a lot of I think there'll be a lot of analysis of both. Like, there's probably going to be a fair bit of like pros and cons of how Jerry Springer show kind of came about because i do think it's like early enough it in didn't where start was, that way it was early enough in where it was coming out on television that i do think there was an amount of like this brought a different perspective into the home for a lot of uh perspectives that wouldn't normally be seen by a dominantly white male yeah. uh home te television audience but i also think that the further along it went some of that more well, what gets more, most exploitative is when the personalities are big. And like that also benefits the the people who go on and have big personalities and like faux reality television, you know, all that kind of stuff. And and how that also creates harm because you are filling in a uh, cultural um, belief system about how people behave because of the way that they absorb what is considered reality. Uh, so I'm sure there'll be a lot of discussions about like where both of those things fell. And like Jerry's just a man in a system not necessarily the the person who is responsible solely yeah for how that all shakes out more his his you are not the father legacy is eternal yeah you're so smart sparks <laughs> <laughs> i love listening to you talk <laughs> all right um comics i read those I'm tell me about them there's a fair bit of comic book news that happened this week such as power girl special number one Okay. This is going to be a new uh, special coming out in May. It's going to be just one shot, written by Leia Williams, Exterminators and X Factor, many and many things. Uh, drawn by Marguerite uh, Savage, uh, action comics artist. She's great. Um, with new powers and a new mission, Power Girl faces an, a challenge unlike any she's experienced before in this shocking one shot, rising from the events of Lazarus Planet and Action Comics. Hmm. For an event that seemed kind of nothing, it's huge. I don't know if. Well, I mean, I know it was going to be big because, like, all like it was like the next the next status quo thing. But like, I don't but know if people it, like Power Girls getting powers. It spun out. It spun out of a spinoff of a spinoff, and like, and it didn't like take over the line. It didn't. It was just kind of this event that was happening. It, it kind of honestly to me felt like it was happening in the background and not a lot of people were talking about it, but so many books have spun out of it. And I find that so fascinating. I really got to read it because I, I have read the Mark Wade uh, World's Finest book, which it spins out of. Um, and I, I really enjoy it. I just got to sit down and actually read it. Mm -hmm. um, so that's Power Girl, uh, but it will also feature a 10 page backup story about fire and ice um, written by Joanne uh, Star, Starer, sorry. Um, who wrote The Gimmick and Sirens of the City with art by Natasha Bustos, uh, artist on Moon Girl and Double Dinosaur, and Miles mm -hmm. Morales, Spider-Man. Yeah, she did uh, the book we read, 2015 one. Mm -hmm. um, in the introductory tale, Fire and Ice respond to a natural disaster in Baltimore, debating whether to involve Ice's old flame Guy Gardner. When Guy causes some major drama, 
at the scene, Superman gets involved to stop the fight. Cool. So that's the one shot. Now that's going to spin off two titles. Um, Power Girl will spin out of that, written by Leah Williams. Um, but this time she'll be joined by Eduardo uh, Pensica, uh, artist on Suicide Squad and Supergirl. Um, this is basically Superman has tasked Power Girl with stopping an ancient Kryptonian threat, which is described as a, quote, road trip race against time. Wow. Apparently she also has a new power. Um, we don't know what the, I don't know what that is. And I didn't say in the description, but she's got a new power. Like a new power from the one shot new power? From Lazarus Planet. She has a new power from right, Lazarus. Yeah. Okay. Cut. Uh, and then it will also spin out Fire and Ice. Welcome to Smallville. Which is going to be a new ongoing series. Um, written by Star... Written by Star um, I'm sorry. I have the names up here. Uh, Joanne Starr and drawn by Natasha Bustos. So they'll continue on to this ongoing. Um, basically, that that story the 10 page backup went horrible um so fire and ice are laying low in smallville on superman's orders ice likes the quiet because she wants to like settle down she's happy here but fire is not okay and she wants to kind of she's you know she wants to branch out so she's picking a fight with supervillains just whenever she can mm, how fiery you gotta do what you gotta do yeah um so yeah so those are two new titles coming out of um power girl Cool. Good for Leia Williams. I know. I know. I personally don't care about Power Girl. She's fine. She's great. Uh, Leia Williams loves Power Girl, so it's really cool that she's getting to write her a lot. Um, here's something you might th- you might you might like. What if Dark? Uh, this is going to be a new uh, series of What If books coming from Marvel Comics. Um, but instead of What If this happened, it's What it What would happen if things took a dark turn? The dark multiverse, it kind of, and it's a little strange because like Marvel's Marvel editorial editorial Jesus editorial um, uh, mandates that all what ifs can't end better than the original than the actual timeline. So this is kind of that. I've read. I don't know if that's true anymore because we've definitely read. I like I've read a lot of what the modern what ifs, but specifically for the book club, like. There was like the what if Ghost Rider metal book where that ends terribly. Like the, the like, I, I guess I guess I have to go back and actually think about it. But like, I guess sure. I well, love anyways, what if stories. So what if Dark will be? Um, well, so they've announced uh, four with more to come. Um, the first one is going to be what if Dark Loki. Um, the this the format of this title kills me. It's what if dot 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 question mark Dark colon then Loki. <laughs> um, Written by Walter Simonson with Dark What If. <laughs> Dark What If, yeah, you'd think. Hmm. Uh, written by Walter Simonson with art by Scott East- Easton? Eaton. Eaton. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, what if Loki wielded Mjolnir? Loki's in charge, a tale of one of Asgard's worst stays and one of Loki's best. Walt Simonson is, is the, the OG Thor guy from the 80s, so that, that makes sense. That's cool. What if Dark, colon, Gwen Stacy? Spider-Gwen, sorry, not Gwen Stacy, Spider-Gwen. Um, written by Jerry Conway and Jody Hauser, with art by Ramon Box. Um, what if Gwen Stacy didn't die on the bridge that day, but Spider Man did? What are they gonna? Well, Jerry Conway, what are you doing? Gwen Stacy's a normal person. What she's she just gonna? Oh, I'm gonna be a Spider Man now. Well, yeah, she'll th- because the cover also has the Spider Gwen outfit on it. Like there's the, like the Spider Gwen 
mask. So is this going to be like in the 1970s? Like if she became Spider Gwen? Yeah, I guess sure. so. I'm not against it. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, she could take his web shooters and put them on. That's true. She's got to get real good at climbing things. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what if Dark Venom, written by Stephanie Phillips with art by uh, Jethro Morales? Nice. Uh, what if Ben Grimm became Venom? basically the premise um there's a kind of a longer description that describes how ben Grimm was uh exploring space uh for a time after secret wars the original secret wars i assume mm-hmm. um and he comes back to new york and they've got and the fantastic four are experimenting on uh the venom symbiote and he gets on him that's cool sure that sounds like a fun little thing and then what if dark moon knight written by erica schultz with art by edgar salazar Ooh, um nice. What if Moon Knight did not survive his battle with Bushman? When Khonshu's avatar is slain, a different god empowers their own surprising new champion. From the darkness emerges a new force to light the way, Luminary. But will her quest for revenge against Moon Knight's killer result in her own downfall? That sounds pretty cool, actually. Yeah. Bushman sucks, and I'd like to see that guy get beat up by somebody else. That sounds cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So those are some new new what if darks um, coming soon, and more will be revealed uh, probably next month. Well, I mean, I love me some downer endings. So if these are all going to be like, and it ends poorly, I'm like, cool. Yeah. You told me I was going to do that. CinemaCon. We talked a little bit about CinemaCon last week in the last episode. Sorry. Um, so this is just kind of the rest of the relevant news for us, anyway. The Fast Saga. Uh, Fast 11. We now know what it's called. Fast X colon part 2. Boring. That's awful. Is that real? Yeah. Coming so, out next. Coming out in 2025. Man, just a, like, honestly, really? honestly, the lamest title to go out on. Really? All these weird eccentric titles, like, give me something really ridiculous. This isn't 30, 30 Days Late April Fool's. Honestly, Fast X part 2. Honest to God, I wish it was The Fast and the Furious 2. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) The only true sequel title to the original. Oh, they should just call it the Fast and the Furious, like Halloween and Halloween. No, 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 no. It's the Fast. It's the Fast and the Furious, Roman numeral two. But is it an eleven or is it a two? Oh, that's genius. Yeah, that's too smart for Vin. You did it. You did it. Call up. Call up Universal. Awful. Fast X Part Two. We did it. They did it, guys. I'll accept it if the part two is Roman numerals. I'll be like, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, all right, Kung Fu Panda Four. We have a lot. We have a lot of new information about what Kung Fu Panda Four is about and who's directing it. Um, Mike Mitchell is directing the film. Uh, he's known for Shrek Forever After and the Lego Movie Two, the second part. Among, uh, he oh, did Lego like movies. that's a good that's a good sequel. I do like that sequel. Yeah. Um, the film is going to follow Poe as he tries to find a new replacement for the role of Dragon Warrior. He has to leave the Valley of Peace to go to the big city. He's going to introduce a villain called Chameleon, or sorry, the Chameleon, um, who is able to summon villains from Poe's past. Yeah, uh, I don't. Again, I've I've only seen that first movie, uh, uh, but people online have were freaking out saying that like they've been wanting for uh, like the older villains to come back. I don't know if they're dead or not, but like older villains to come back and like then this movie is shown to us and it's like this person transforming into different villains. And I'm like, Oh, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. I'm into this. I really like the Kung Fu Panda villains. That means getting Ian McShane and 
Gary Oldman and Gary Oldman back. I'm into it. Who was the third one? Gary uh, uh, J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons. Yeah. Get me Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> What's his name? Poe. Poe. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Uh, yeah, uh, look, hey, I'm I'm all for another Kung Fu Panda. Real quickly, though, Mag is in the chat. I'm not I'm not ignoring you, sir. It's just you know, tough that's juggling the two. That's very much what I always thought Shrek Forever After should have done is been an excuse to put all the old villains back in the story. Sure, and they didn't. Um, Mag has this to say about uh, Ben Grimm becoming sp- becoming Venom. Uh, going to be crazy web slinging Ben Grimm. Oh yeah. And uh, about past X trying to end like Mission Impossible. Yeah, Mission yeah, Impossible is a better Mission, title. But Mission Impossible is different. They've been more consistent with their titles. The Fast and Furious franchise is nuts with its titles. I want like F, one is called F Nine: The Fast Saga. Like that's. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted a ridiculous title to go out on. Yeah. The Fate of the Furious. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, a Quiet Place Day One. Uh, we now know a little bit more about the plot of this one, which is will take place in New York. And Lupita Nyong'o is a mother trying to survive following the alien invasion. I love it. Sounds great. Sounds like a really good time. By which I mean a really bad time for them, but a really good time for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really, that's all you need. Sure. Uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, the first film we now know will be about Aang, Katara, Zuko, and the rest um and their adult age and there's actually art you can find it online um it's leaked online but it looks really cool yeah i'm i'm excited didn't didn't we know the first movie was going to be about them no i think we heard that the first movie that uh, there's three movies there's kiyosha kiyosha kiyoshi avatar kiyoshi um then there's rumor that they're going to do one based on the search and Uh then there then then this one we weren't sure which one was first oh i see okay um, but now we know for sure. And it's theatrical and it's 2D theatrical. Oh, baby. That is so good. Very excited. Movie's going to do great. Um, and we also got a casting news for the upcoming Transformers prequel movie. It's going to be an animated prequel film about Optimus and Megatron um, called Transformers colon one. Question. What is it a prequel to? Yes. Um, it's just a prequel to Transformers, I guess. Okay. That's fine. I accept that answer. They, I mean, they really didn't say. I mean, yeah. I hope you can't hear that. Um, all right. Nope. Good. So we now know the cast of this. Um, we knew this was coming for a little while. Um, but Chris Hemsworth will play Optimus Prime. Brian Tyree Henry will play Megatron. I love that. I just want to spotlight that real quick. I love that. I love that. I think that's awesome. Scarlett Johansson will play Elita. I think that's fine. Keegan-Michael Key will play Bumblebee. I also really love that. Yeah. John Hamm will play Sentinel Prime. Okay. I'll, John Hamm. I like it. Look, it's him doing anime, uh, animated stuff. That's cool. And Lawrence Fishburne will play Alpha Trion. I also love that. I yeah, love everyone this. Except, everyone except the first guy. I yeah. I don't hate it. I'll be honest. I don't, I don't hate, hate it. it. It's just like it, it's like a Chris Pratt thing. Where like I don't hate the I don't. Hate I think it. it's like, better than it's, Chris Pratt. I, I'm just like, I guess it's just not gonna sound like Optimus Prime. Here's the thing: Chris Hemsworth, not a bad voice actor. No. So I 
think has he done voice work before? Because I if? only what if that's right. What if? And he did a he did a pretty part, good job. Party Thor, yeah. yeah. I I think I think he can I think he can deliver a pretty interesting Optimus Prime. I'm if it's not going to be Peter Cullen, I don't hate this choice. I think there's worse options that are big names. Instinctively, I'm not crazy about this. Um, I like a lot of this casting. Um, Brian Tyree Henry as Megatron is is really cool. It's I love exciting, for sure. For me, it's Lawrence Fishburne though. For Lawrence Fishburne as Alpha Trine is for me phenomenal. Um, I'm like so into that. I hear um, you. I guess but, it's because like Lawrence Fishburne, I'm more used to doing just real quick. I'm more used to doing like voice roles of the kind of thing that would be like an Alpha Trion. Brian Tyree Henry is like, that's a really new and exciting kind of thing. And like, what's he going to do with Megatron? And like, I don't know, that jazzes me. Sure. And I, I hope and I think and I hope that Brian Tyree Henry and Chris Hemsworth are able to, you know, do something interesting and not just kind of do their own voices. And I'm sure that's what we're doing here. Um, and be, <sighs> It'll have like a robot layer to it. Yeah. Chris Hemsworth, I first off, I just want to be clear. I never expected Peter Cullen to be in this movie. If you're going to do a young Optimus Prime, it shouldn't be Peter Cullen. Sure. Um, yeah. I think that I think that you should go with someone else. And I do think there are other voice actors out there that could have done a pretty good Peter Cullen. Chris Hemsworth feels kind of like stunt casting to me and much in the same way as Ryan's point with that Mario was Chris Pratt. I agree. I, I also what? Who I liked and ended up yeah. liking. It's just not my first idea. And I will agree with Sparks that it's not as bad. I actually don't think this is as bad as that. No. Um, but it's just, I'm just not, inherently, I'm not crazy about it. I really just have to see the trailer to, to yeah. really know. May, may I just very quickly, I think Chris Hemsworth has proven through Thor that he's, whether it's party Thor or his initial appearance as Thor or Ragnarok, I think he has shown that he's very good at capturing that heroic bravado in a earnest way that Optimus would require. I think Hemsworth can be capable of that. He can do it tongue-in-cheek, but he can do it earnestly, too. Yeah. And that's why I think he could be a pretty good voice. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm more for than I am against. If we were going to get a big-name star, I think this is a pretty good one. Sure, yeah. Um, Scarlett Johansson I do like as a voice actress, so her being Alita is kind of cool. Sure. They're definitely um, throwing lots of money at this, so. Yeah. Um, wasn't it Dylan O'Brien was Bumblebee and Bumblebee? So Keegan Michael Key's a really good choice. Yeah, I agree. He's got, he's got a good energy for Bumblebee. Mm -hmm. I hope we see more Transformers. I'm sure we will. It can't just I'm, be these people. I'm sure this is just core cast. We're yeah. gonna learn more. Um, I can't wait to find out who. Starscream's you know. gonna be like, who's gonna be Starscream? I'm really excited. Who's oh, it's screen? who who could be Starscream with this with this baseline? Big, who could big name, big name, big name Starscream? Who could who could it be? Who could do that raspy? Oh, Megatron. See, here's the thing: you guys don't you don't really know his performance, but Glenn Howerton from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia uh, is like a is like a, a like a high pitched uh, uh, like monster man. I've seen clips enough. Uh, I can, he he I can he actually it would be like a perfect choice, uh, but he doesn't do a lot of big things. Sure. Uh, Mag about Transformers says, uh, to be fair, too, I'm okay with, with, uh, let's talk about Chris Hemsworth as, as, uh, Optimus. Uh, give him a break from live action due to health, uh, as far as Peter Cullen. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Peter Cullen, I just never thought that Peter Cullen should be Optimus in this movie. Sure. Um, 
also i really i, I you know i'm sure i'm i know this is going to be a big screen big big budget animated film on the big screen i hope we i hope we call them orion pax and megatronus in in that movie because that's who they were before they were optimus and megatron i can get i can almost guarantee you it'll do like the uh the first class thing before they were professor x before magneto orion my friend yeah it'll 100 be that i think yeah they just have to call him optimus first to get the lay people into it they were friends we know that they were friends back in back before the war so the war there there's an interesting story to be had here that i'm i'm still interested in the cube um you guys like dodgeball yeah yeah i do that's a good movie um well sequels in the works with vince vaughn set to return i'm cool with it i mean sure i i have no reason to be against it it just feels a little late kind of like zoolander and that movie that second one apparently is awful because i didn't see it so i can't really say but like you know i'm not i love vince vaughn so like i don't know sure yeah Uh, do you think he's like coaching kids or something yeah, oh yeah, it, it, this this will be a legacy. Yeah, yeah. something absolutely. Yeah, there'll, yeah. there'll be another tournament. Ben Stiller will hopefully be back. He's done with that. <clears throat> the recent that movie's really funny. Excuse me, my Taco Bell's coming back. Oh no, it's true. Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller is the funny part. Of Nobody makes movie. me bleed my own blood. That's that's one of my favorite like <laughs> taser, laser, ridiculous characters he's ever played. So he is. Yeah, he rules in that movie. Street Fighter. Ba-dum, ba-dum, ba-dum. <clears throat> the uh the, the new, new movie <laughs> the new movie uh from legendary has uh tasked danny and michael philippo 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 hmm. um as the directors these two uh did something called raka raka which i'm not familiar with uh for many episodes apparently and the upcoming a24 film talk to me oh that looked good yeah. that um cool I mean, this will be the third attempt, and it couldn't possibly be worse than the last one, The Legend of Chun-Li. That first one is actually, like, really fun. Uh, The 90s one's actually really fun. It's not like Kristen Kruk. Yes, it is. It is. Uh, That movie's uh, awful. Um, This is really cool. Um, So, like, uh, I'm into it. Uh, I have no Street Fighter Six is awesome. That demo came out. That I'm so... I am more pumped about Street Fighter now than ever, so this is, like, a perfect time. Like, oh, I'm into it. Give me a movie. I have no investment in Street Fighter, so... um, We'll see. Blade. <clears throat> Blood. Uh, Nick Pizzolato, uh, mm-hmm. uh, the creator of True Detective, <clears throat> has been uh, added to the scriptwriters. Uh, he's working on the script. Supposedly, he's replacing Michael Starbury, who uh, who was the last writer uh, that replaced uh, who replaced Stacy Osei Kufour. So four times, third times the charm. Uh, and what Why I mean by that, right? Blade movie, <laughs> right? Um, I will, I will say, come midnight, there he might not be working on that script anymore. I have faith in this one because he's worked with Mahershala Ali before, and I think that's why they got him. No, I say I know what he's saying because uh, the writers, oh, the writers strike. That's writers so strikes if they can't come to a deal, midnight, midnight tonight, it's happening. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. That's so funny. Well. Let's hope those writers get paid because I want to see a Blade movie sooner rather than later. Um, this guy rules. He's an exceptional talent. Shoe Detective, uh, that first season is is an immaculate piece of art. It is incredible. Season two, not so much, but that first season will always exist. And you mean immaculate? I said immaculate. You said immaculate. Immaculate. Sorry. Immaculate. You gotcha. Munchables. Uh, I was trying to figure out what word. <laughs> immaculate. Said. I thought I said immaculate. It it's okay. Uh, uh, he worked on The Killing as well, uh, uh, which is a great Danish show. Um, He's a great talent, so like um, I'm really excited. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, hopefully we can... Why is it so hard to write a Blade movie? That's why I got this guy. Because like, he's like, okay, a, he's like, a real... I, I, don't think, I don't think the road to Blade would bother us nearly as much as if they had not announced Mahershala Ali way too early. 17 years ago. Like, yeah, sure. in order to kill ostensibly the Netflix shows. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Uh, Justice League War World... Sorry, gonna... Hulu shows to kill the Hulu shows. My bad. Hulu shows. Yeah, Justice League War World. Um, this is going to be the next in the uh, the Tomorrowverse, uh, which is the current running animated uh, franchise uh, for the DC original animated films. Um, this is going to be see. Yeah. Yep. Um, this is going to see. Uh, the Justice League take it to War World, where they will unite to form an unbeatable resistance, able to lead an entire planet to freedom. Is this the first Justice League? Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, cool. That's not the first time we've seen the Justice League, because that happened in Green Lantern. Understood. It's a fish. I got a table, I'm sure. Um, so, the cast was announced. Obviously, Jensen Ackles, Stan McCaddock, and Darren Chris are returning as Superman, uh, sorry, Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman. The Wonder Woman one is interesting because uh, she she was last seen in Justice Society, which is a different Wonder Woman, so that's kind of cool that she's back now. Santa Catech is back. She's and a different Wonder Woman? Yeah, so Justice Society World War II is set in an alternate reality. Mm. Fun fact. Good movie. Weird. Okay, go ahead. Proceed. Um... So this will be joint. So Jensen Ackles, sorry, I already said that. Ike Amadi will return as Martian Manhunter, reprising his role from Green Lantern Beware My Power. Um, Troy Baker will be Jonah Hex. Don't know how Jonah Hex fits into this, but that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt Bomer will play Old Man. I only put that in here because Matt Bomer is the Flash in this universe. Yeah, that makes sense. He's he's Old Man Flash. So that's. I wonder. I don't know why they would keep Flash away from. Uh, if that if old man is Flash, it's a weird way to. I don't know why probably they would just a, not say a, it. A spoiler. Maybe. Um, then why announce he's in the movie at all? Because he's, because he's he's the Flash. I'm not being clear. I'm sorry. No, I. It's no. Fun. It means why announce why announce Matt Bomer's playing old man, not just say Matt Bomer's playing the Flash. Because I think it's a, like a plot point of the movie that he's not the Flash. He's he's known as old man, and then it'll be a big plot point or something that he's right. So then my question is, why say Matt Bomer's in the movie at, at all? Uh, I don't know because I don't want to have a Henry Cavill situation. Maybe not that it's, it's the same level or anything. Um, but either way, I like him as the Flash. I don't think he's. I, th- I think he was on Legion of Superheroes. I haven't seen it yet. Um, but he um. Uh, but he's the reason why the Justice League formed, so it's, it would be nice for him to come back. Uh, Brett Dalton will play Batlash. Um, <laughs> John DiMaggio will play Lobo, and he's replacing Ryan Hurst, who played Lobo in Superman Man of Tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah I like him. Um, he was um, Thor, right? In God of War? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he's like an up-and-coming, like... I'm more than just the tough guy in TV shows. I can also be a tough guy in animated things. Yeah, I really liked him as Lobo, so I'm kind of bummed about this. I do like John DiMaggio as Lobo. He was Lobo in the in the DCAU, so yeah, it's kind of we're a... not losing quality. It's just like I wish they could have stuck with the same actor. Yeah, uh, Robin Atkin Downs will play Mongol. Frank Grillo will play Agent Faraday, and Rachel Kimsey will play Maria Romanova. Um, Rachel Kimsey was Wonder Woman in Justice League Action, so. Hmm. It's kind of cool. Romanova. 
Can't be still oh, name. sorry. Teddy Sears uh, is going to be War World. Like the planet. It talks so. now. It talks now. It talks now. Teddy Sears. Um, Zoom. From the Flash. Season two villain. Pretend to be Jake Eric. Oh, got it. I, I didn't know the actor's name, but if that's that guy. Cool. That's yeah, cool. it's this guy. Keep it in the keep it in the universe. I like it. Uh, Jeff Womister, uh, who was the director of Legion of Superheroes, Green Lantern, Beware My Power, and Justice Society World War II, and that's it, um, is directing the film. Uh, Jeremy Adams, Ernie Altbacker, Green, who wrote Green Lantern, Beware My Power, and Justice League Dark Apocalypse War, and Josie Campbell, who wrote Legion of Superheroes, Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous. Um, they're writing, they wrote the script for this movie. Jeremy Adams, comic book writer, Green, currently writing upcoming Green Lantern book, been writing the flash for a couple of years mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's cool but yeah good team on this one i think um wonder wonder man has cast josh gad cool so, that's cool cool that that show continues to exist josh gad is in the mcu we did it he did it he did, he it. did it now he and just seems star wars he'll be in the ray skywalker movie <laughs> He's friends with Daisy Ridley. He'll voice a droid. I wouldn't mind him voicing a droid. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm good with that. Um, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Got some news. Oh. Um, Andy Sandberg, Sandberg has been cast in the film, and the rumors suggest Ben Riley. That's cool. I'm very, I'm very into that. Especially after reading Dark Web, where Ben is like his most like derpy and like under the under seduction of a, of like an evil lady. Uh, I hear I can hear Andy Samberg totally like doing that. I'm like, that's that's kind of cool. I'm yeah. into it. You know, he's like a he's like a he's a Claudia Peter Parker. That's Andy Samberg in another world could be a Peter Parker. Yeah, sure. Uh, and then there's going to be a short film. I think we actually already knew about the short film. But the Spider Within um, is going to be a short film that will follow Miles as he experiences a panic attack which forces him to confront the manifestations of his of his anxiety and learn that reaching out for help can be just as brave as an act uh, uh, just as brave an act as protecting his city from evil sorry it's weird wording that is true when where is that short being released the short will be shown at the annecy international animation film festival okay and then it'll be probably be on disney plus sometime that's probable um, probable I mean, those Spider-Man movies just hit yeah, Disney Plus. So. But I, I, we'll see how long the transition period is because, like, they're you know, uh, uh, Far From Home still isn't even on there. Nor is Spider-Verse. Uh, Spider-Verse Spider isn't on there. Um, yeah, but I'm I'm guessing the first place we see it, it's not going to be before the movie. Then it'll be probably on the Blu-ray release yeah, mm-hmm. or something. Makes sense. Yeah, more Spider-Verses will good with me though. Yeah. Um. I do wonder. I'm sure Spider Verse will end up on Disney Plus eventually, right? Eventually, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I don't. I don't know exactly why we only got what we got, and they didn't dump all Spider Man stuff on there right away. But yes, I suspect eventually. Yeah. It only benefits Sony. It's true. It's bad week for layoffs. Oh yeah. No kidding. Uh, we'll talk about IDW first. Sure. Um, IDW has laid off 39% of its workforce this week. Editorial has also been gutted and half remain. That's a quote. Um, this move was done in an effort to preserve capital. This is a quote. 
quote, preserve capital and put the company in the strongest position possible to unlock value from its assets, including its intellectual property and ability to generate new intellectual property. This came straight from IDW. That's the most lawyer-ass boss man thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the marketing and PR team are completely gone. They're just not, they don't exist anymore. Um, and apparently this is happening because the because uh, after a disappointing first quarter for the company, mostly because there was no, quote, meaningful revenue from IDW Entertainment, which handles their adaptations. Their adaptations? There, there were no adaptations this year. That's not the comic's fault. <laughs> right, exactly. That's not the comic people's fault. That's so, that's, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, it's, a, um, it, it's, we are in an unprecedented time where people just keep getting richer and the people downstairs aren't getting any of that money and it's only getting worse and it's 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 only going to get worse before something really bad happens before people actually take a look at it and i don't know when that's going to be so like companies are going to shrink people are going to get fired it's 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 going to be man lord willing will eventually be like paris and we'll just be burning we'll the streets just... <laughs> down until we until they treat us the way we're supposed to be treated. we'll be doing writers writer strikes literally every week yeah um good that guillotine's going to stop being a joke eventually it's true can you imagine i they keep going the way they're going eventually it's not going to be a joke anymore (laughs) um yeah this is idw has a rough go of it anyway because they're not a comic book company that gets the same type of revenue stream as image marvel or dc um to name a few so it's i lost a bunch of like licenses and stuff they lost a lot of licenses and their license books they don't sell they're generally really well reviewed, but they don't sell the numbers that other comic books do. And part of the part of that, I honestly think, has to do with the fact that their trade paperback turnaround is horrendously slow. Mm. Um, if they could get their trade paperbacks in uh, quicker, out there quicker, which might be like a a, a chicken yeah. and egg sort of thing, because yeah. like you know the reasons why they're so slow is because they are cost cutting because they're not making enough of the money that they that they think they should they deserve but also i think they maybe make more money if they got them out quicker i think they also shot themselves in the foot by giving all their major ips um big fu hardcover collections um in a in what i mean by that is like they did that so notoriously and so clearly and like put more love into the crafting of those hardcovers and more issues for your buck than what the trade paperbacks are that they put out that it made everybody who's like loyal to TMNT Transformers uh Sonic um or Power Rangers wait even longer not going to get the trade we'll wait for those hardcovers cuz you're not going to especially the way they release them you're not going to get they release they release them to be collector sets. You're not going to get one and not get the rest. Right. But because they did that, like a whole bunch of people who would usually be picking up the trades don't because the cost to benefit is so skewed to not being very good for the trades, the way that they release them, the amount of issues they give you, because we've talked about this before with four issues. It's only four issues at a time yeah. for the same cost I would pay for six yeah. uh, anywhere else. And then, but if you get the hardcovers, you get much more bang for your buck. Power Rangers, by the way, shot them in the foot. Power Rangers is boom, by the way. I'm sorry. Boom. Big big boom. Um, yeah, I, I, um, I, admittedly, I'm part of the problem because I don't pick up their Star Trek single issues. I want to, I just don't have the room for it in my pull list, so I wait for the trades. But those trades come out so slowly, right? Um, 
My, I don't. Look. I don't think they're. I. I don't think they've been good about publishing their trades, and I don't think that's just a money thing. I think they just have not been good at it. Yeah. I do think that's hurt them. Speaking as someone who has picked up Sonic trades, I do think that's hurt them. Um. Okay. Vice. Mag brought up concerned of Godzilla affected by their comics line before we move on to Vice. Oh, yes. Uh, so concerned of Godzilla affected by the comics line. Yeah, I mean, look, um, I don't think they handled the transition, the losing Transformers very well. They had many books uh, ready to be collected in trade and the license, they let the license lapse before they could. Shattered Grid 2, one of them, just never going to see a trade collection. Um, Godzilla, Godzilla comics have always struggled with IDW. Um, this is not a new thing. Um, That's why there's so many miniseries, because they just can't get an ongoing to, to do any money for them. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a tough situation. Yeah, for sure. And, and like, but to gut the com to, to, to punish the comics because there's no adaptations out, out right now is ridiculous. Well, that's, that's capitalism. That's, you know, uh, whatever benefits the people at the top and they only look at the dumbest information to make those decisions. People this are just so depressing. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. This week was so depressing for me, you guys. <laughs> you're All right. Alone. Yeah, you're not alone. Vice. Yeah, we're practically crying here. Yeah. Um. So this. So Vice is shutting down its its publication Waypoint. Mm -hmm. This will be the last day. Will be June second. Um. Uh. Obviously, you guys are familiar with Waypoint uh, podcast. I've been familiar with them for since its inception. I've been. I, did I introduce you to them? You did. Yeah. I've been familiar with them since I moved in with Ryan. Uh, but um, it was founded by a bunch of great people, but Austin Walker specifically, um, uh, to go, you know, hey, Vice is a great company. They won't they won't shit all over us. And this, this happens. Uh, Vice is supposed to be one of the good ones. Uh, it's fortunately they're not. Um, Waypoint, uh, pound for pound, I think. No, I don't think. I think it is. I think it is the, like, the best video game podcast you can listen to. Mm -hmm. If you want... Um, a diverse crew of people. If you want incredibly uh, thought-provoking conversations, uh, people of all different age ranges, different uh, tastes, um, backgrounds. Um, it's just, it's so insightful and they have such good rapport. Uh, it, I, it, that is like appointment podcasting. Like I, 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 I am so into like, I can't be stuck with my own thoughts. I have to have a podcast on and stuff. I have to always be listening to something, doing something. I can't, I can't not do that. Right. Uh, Waypoint has been a staple in my life since its inception. Yes. Uh, it, they are so great. And even though people have come and gone, uh, they always come back because they're all friends. And uh, it, this, and they started Waypoint Plus, which is their subscription service, which I immediately jumped onto because it's five bucks a month to support your favorite people. That's nothing. Um, it's just like, it's, it's, it was unbelievable. And if you guys want to listen to one of the funniest podcasts of all time, listen to the episode that just came out the day after they found out they were all laid off. Because they still recorded a podcast, and the vibes are really, really funny and dark. Um, it's just a lot of like, if you guys want to tune in, sorry. Like, I left a lot of kind of that energy, and it's like, these all these people are super talented, and they'll they'll probably land in good places. Some of the best in their field, literally the best in their field. Um, so it's like, which is one of the reasons why like all this kind of layoff situation, this one specifically, is so upsetting because it's like, it's it's not just like these these layoffs are maddening, but like it's so discouraging to anyone wanting to get involved in anything. I think at this point, because you can be the best in your field and have your job taken away from you. And yeah. the job market as it is, is not looking to hire you anywhere else. Yeah. And like, that's so 
just awful. That's where we are right now. Uh, uh, specifically, Patrick Klepek, who who he's he's older than us. I think he's only, he's almost forty, but like he's been doing this since he was a teenager. He is like he is like one of the definitive video game journalists. Not he doesn't he doesn't podcast. He's a journalist. Like that dude writes. He's a, he's like uh, he's dude, that dude's insane. And he got laid off. And he gave this incredible speech where he's like. I've been doing this my entire life, and if I can get get laid off like this, it makes me feel like my entire life has been worthless. That I don't feel like I have value. Right. And that's heartbreaking. And like for what we do, like we don't get paid to do this, but like if the people who've been doing this almost longer than we've been alive can't do it, it is discouraging. It's truly discouraging. Specifically for like journalists and like the, like the type of thing this is, it is it is relatively new. Um, and like no no names in their field. Like, yeah. Like. <laughs> big big hits uh for yep. them to be taken down it, it sucks um it's ridiculous to even ponder that like this is happening cutbacks are one thing but like eliminating the entire thing um and again like <laughs> sure no one has directly said this is to benefit the people on top but it is it's to not cut down their wages and uh allow them to keep the same absolutely too high salaries while the company goes through whatever ebbs and flows it needs to. Uh, so I got a quote here. This is Patrick Klepek uh, responding to a, a big piece. Um, the piece said that these companies remain highly profitable, but they will, but they have not seen delivering the kind of steady profit growth that Wall Street demands. Not not their company, but Wall Street demands, because they had to answer to a higher power. And then Patrick said, Waypoint was profitable for a time. The company bragged about having a subscription business with steady income. The company stopped bragging when we did it too well right out of the gate, and they didn't like that. The, they didn't like that we had lack of growth. We were making money, but we weren't growing, and that's what they care about. And that's just like Waypoint wasn't losing money. Right, like they had subscriptions for like playing video games online. Like they're real, they're the best in their field. But that's what, like they're video game people, right? But like that doesn't matter. Like they are the best in their field, and they're not safe. And it's just it was just a really hard week of like, wow, like even like the gods of the industry can't survive in it. And it's just like it's it was just really disheartening. Yeah, um, I will like Ryan speak the praises of Waypoint. Um, Waypoint is largely, honestly, responsible for. Uh, certainly like the back half of my journey on fake nerd network, not even the back half, like after the first two years is when, you know, we were living together and then I was listening to it, um, for informing myself to be more aware of not just the things that they would say, but that they would branch me off into all kinds of other things. Like, uh, uh, I, I wouldn't have ended up at weight at Ringerverse listening to that without waypoint. Mm -hmm. Um, just be, even if there's no direct line, there is a line of like, people they recommended that I should listen to or follow. And then that person recommended ringer first. So like, whatever the path is, like, these are really important, influential voices who have made me the little socialist that I am. Um, Their tagline, every time the podcast ends for 400 episodes, fuck capitalism, go home. That's their tagline. And when they said it at the end of this episode, I was like, wow, never has it been more apparent, fuck capitalism, go home. Because that's what we're doing right now. Uh, and it was just, it's a big bummer. Like this happened to Giant Bomb uh, recently. Like all of like, no matter how prestigious you are, no matter how much money you might be making, uh, uh, people have higher, higher standards that just don't, shouldn't exist. So because you said Giant Bomb real quickly, this follows a number of layoffs and closures in games media, including the Washington Post shutting down its game section, Launcher and GameSpot and Giant Bomb affected by layoffs in January. 
Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We talked. About, I've talked about Giant Bomb several times because they've, they've unfortunately have been firings, hirings, more firings. Because when you work for a big corporation, there's like there's literally you're just, you're beholden to them. Um, it's it's this really is like one of the like it's just like these are just people who like talk about video games for a living, but like they're so insightful. And he said it like they make they made me a better person. They make me want to make better podcasts. I'm like, oh, that's what you can do with a podcast. Shit, I want to do that. Uh, I want to teach people. It's incredible. Right. So this yeah. this is this is one of the biggest reasons why you know I mentioned it already. I was. You know, it was a very depressing week for me. And look, who am I? Wah, who, boo, who? I was depressed. Wah, who cares? But I care. the thing, the thing that, not for this, but these people are more important than me. The, the thing is, you're looking, you're looking at a fundamental shift in the way these, what the, the, these, these Wall Street companies are funneling money into these these into quote-unquote journalism they don't care about journalism anymore if they could if they could write up if they can put a prompt in jet chat gpt and not get and not get mad and not get the whole internet mad at them for publishing a list about the 10 who the fuck cares uh listed by by whatever the fuck they're going to publish that more than they'll want to pay somebody a measly 18 dollars a month a, a week yeah. or a day and so what you're seeing is this this is that. This is the same thing. It's all fucking connected. The idea of the the people. Maybe this is the public's fault. I, I hesitate to, to to put blame to put blame on them because you know capitalism destroys lives. But like people just aren't reading journalism anymore. They don't give a shit. They care what Rotten Tomatoes said is the best Wes Anderson movie. I I don't even think it's that because I think Ryan's right. Like the the like from a lot of these people like you have your steady and consistent and profitable audience. It's just not getting bigger. Like it's mm-hmm. there. It's just not getting bigger. Yeah. And that's, that's the idea is like, Oh, we got to have more, 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 always more. Um, and this is a problem across all the industries like of, of, Oh, we need growth. We need growth. Growth is the only thing that means we're being successful rather than like consistency yeah. um, and stability. And this is in no way, like, I don't think this is the public's fault. I think this is very much just a reaction of the dovetail of everything that we knew was kind of going to happen post the pandemic of the economy rewriting itself around what was going to happen and barrel itself towards a recession that uh, everybody knows is coming one way or another because it's all out of freaking whack Mm -hmm. and uh, everybody's being punished. Um, except the people on top, and this is this is more of that. Uh, so is the writer strike. So like it's all it's all happening, baby. Yeah. It's all just happening. Mag brings up G four. <laughs> yeah, G four lasted eight months uh, before they were canned. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right when you say that people people who are at the top in their field aren't sure that they can get a job after this because the companies just aren't hiring the top of their field. They don't care. These right, companies or, don't care about the top of their field. They want or, the cheapest. Places like IGN or GameSpot, uh, which those are like the biggest in their field, but like those people, there are people who work there for like 15, 20 years because like they know that that's the top and they can't go anywhere else. There's a lot of like I listen to a lot of IGN GameSpot podcasts. A lot of those people have been there for a long time because they are the biggest and you can't go anywhere else because everywhere else is like smaller and they will get fired. Like it is, it is a, it is like a weird, I don't know how the world will fix this because again, like the digital age of like online journalism is really weird. It's a really weird thing when when anybody really can like uh, open up a webcam and like sit, become a journalist. You know what I mean? Like, and it is real. Like, not discouraging. Like, you know, uh, 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 like murder mystery podcasts solve crimes on podcasts. Like, you know, regular people can like do this kind of stuff. Uh, real quickly, like though, murder mystery. Real quickly, 
murder mystery podcasts aren't taking people's jobs away. <laughs> no, no. I'm just saying anybody can do it, but yeah. like in our specific industry, it's a lot, it's a lot harder because like it's a, it's a niche. Like right. only so many people want to read your opinion about a video game. It's right. not as broad as like a no. Big, it's a, they, yeah. it's it's fundamentally the, the upsetting thing with like the the layoff of Waypoint is what you said, which is the fact that like we know that they were doing well, we know that they were making money and they were making money consistently for Vice, and yet the whole problem just comes down to growth. And like that's so idiotic because like they just measure it essentially is the revenue that we're getting in from the consistent rev, uh, revenue stream that is Waypoint Plus worth paying to have these employees. Yeah, and they ultimately went nah, um, and like that is still to benefit someone who's up top because they're like, I just want to see the numbers go higher towards profit and lower towards loss. And, and I'm sure <laughs> like waypoint is, wasn't, isn't the biggest of places. Like their videos don't get millions of views. And if their videos did get millions of views, they wouldn't be shut down. That is, that is just a fact. Like if they had a, if they had a bigger base, then they'd be around, but it wasn't big, but it was big enough where they weren't struggling. Yeah. They were able to do this. Uh, it's just you know uh, a bad day for for video game journalism. I truly think we're seeing the death of the writer. I really do. Like I like I'm sure you'll disagree, and frankly, I don't care. Like I'm looking at this, and I'm saying, and I'm I'm looking at this, and I'm looking at people being paid nothing to write the most mediocre shit you've ever seen in your life because they don't care about journalism. Be the 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 industry. The industry, the the people above, the Wall Street people who are controlling these conglomerates, who are controlling these websites, those people do not care. And if they and they are, I I quite frankly believe that they are succeeding in erasing the human element of this of journalism. I I fundamentally believe that, and I think this is a symptom of that. I mean, I don't think it'll last these things that it just, it just won't we're not prepared for the consequences should it happen we're just not prepared for that you I mean, cannot take the human element out I'm, of this i'm not, i'm personally not worried about that anytime soon um but i understand the scare the... It, it's happening no, it's not I... soon ryan it's happening this is happening this is reality this is people are losing their jobs because some wall street person doesn't give a shit about a human life and we are barreling towards it and sure sure it's not happening soon it, it this is it we are barreling towards the death of the writer we are barreling towards human element being taken out of what is fundamentally human that's what they want that's what they're doing yeah i yeah you're not wrong i just i uh i will still read patrick klepik's reading his writing, you know, he's not going anywhere. I'll still read my IGN reviews, you know. There are still journalists making stuff. So like until until Terminator starts happening, I'm I'm I am not like, yeah, it, of course it sucks. I'm I listen to Waypoint my time like for, for almost a decade. Like, yeah, it's yeah, I know it sucks. Um they can still do that. But just work. because you don't just because you listen to, to Waypoint your entire no. life, I get it. I get it. My opinion doesn't matter because I've never I, listened to Waypoint. Not, Who fucking cares? Like I'm just saying all, that like I think I truly believe we we are going to get rid of the human element here we are doing it and yet you're right you're right ryan you're absolutely fucking correct you're right that that whatever the, whatever the guy who runs waypoint is is the idea of like yeah he will survive he will be fine he will write on his blog he will write on patreon he will get money whatever but it's unfair it's fucking unfair that that has to happen 
that this man had to lose his job because some Wall Street asshole didn't consider him a human fucking being. I agree with you. This man should be able to get a job, should get stable economic work. I, I agree. <sighs> We're in a fucking depressing place in our life, and it's, it will only get worse. It will only get worse. I agree. And that's why I try to focus on the positive and try to, like, because there are still people doing their best even in the worst of it. So, like, I'm just going to try to support those people if I can, while, like, while I can, while it's still available. All I'll say on that is that progress has always been up and down, and it's never a straight line. And we're in a down. There will be an up. It will take a while, probably. There will be an up. It's it's a whole reason, like, again, go go to the writer's strike. Like, the, there is a crippling happening where people are saying, like, this this can't work. And they might push on that line even further. And it, it, it'll be true for journalism. It'll be true for all of these things where it'll say, like, we'll push on that line as far as we can in a corporate way. And they'll push it too far. And it'll have to bounce all the way back. And when it bounces back, it's going to have to bounce back with the leverage being on the side of the people who are the writers. Because now they have the power. Because the corporations will lose the power because they'll realize the product isn't as good. And as long as the product isn't as good, it means it's not as profitable. Once it's not profitable, then it bounces back. And that's unfortunately how progress works in the capitalist society, but that is how it works. Waves. Wave after wave. It sucks. It does suck. There's a lot of shitty, terrible things that happen and shitty, terrible losses along the way. <sighs> but it is ultimately the trajectory of we go down, we come back up, we get a little bit higher. Sure. On the note of Waypoint, super sad, um, devastated, honestly, about it. They largely are influential voices in my life. I'll still have them. They're still out there. Yeah. Just won't be in the confined Waypoint. They won't way. be together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I highly encourage people to, for whatever amount of time that that backlog is going to exist. I'm sure. Uh, I don't know how long Vice will allow the feed to stay. That's a good question. Um, but for however long that remains, um, go check out some Waypoint. And, and some of them are on a more civilized age, a Star Wars podcast, one of the greatest Star Wars podcasts. That's true. That's true. And uh, learn how to say fuck capitalism and go home. Yeah. Trailers. All right. That's the first one. Next goal wins. The Taika Waititi sports right. movie. Uh, I love Taika Waititi. He can't make me watch a sports movie. Sorry, Taika. <laughs> I looks charming, but like, uh, just not for me. <laughs> looks looks really charming, not for me. Sparks, you took the question mark away from this one. Uh, yeah. Uh, I wanted to touch on it. Um, I I just like the cast. I think it's cool. Mm -hmm. Um, it's nice to see Michael Fassbender doing something, in general. <laughs> but it's nice to see him doing something light like this. Yeah. Uh, and I like I like having a very large and very clearly American Swollen cast. Yeah. So. A pluses for me. Yeah, just the, the 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 sports genre. It has to be like you have to give me that extra oomph. And this looks just like it looks like a good movie. It's just you know not my bag of tea. I really like Ted Lasso, so I'm kind of endeared to this movie at this point. So mm -hmm. I'm 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 interested and excited. Honestly, I think it looks very funny. Sure. Yeah, I definitely I chuckled uh, a few times. The <sighs> sorry, I got heated. By the way, it wasn't about you guys. It's just. No, it's very passionate about about art. We we all are. That's why we're here. Oh, I didn't mean to say that you weren't. 
No, I, I know. know what I meant to say. I hate art personally. No, I'm saying I'm what I meant by that, Brandon, is that we're with you. Yeah. Even if we're not expressing it the same way, we're with you. Yeah. Should be better at this by now. Um, I really like the joke where the ball hit everyone in the head and yeah, that was a good one. I thought that was really funny. The Hunger Games, Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. I know nothing about whether or not this book was good. So I, I, I don't really know how to feel about the movie. I'm not that eager to return to the world of Hunger Games. However, I do think it's very funny um, in a visual film language way that because the Hunger Games is as like where we saw it in the films, it's very gaudy for the people that live in wealth and mm -hmm. yeah. very like poor rag like uh, dress, right? That now because of the time period, things are a little bit closer uh, to their like like yeah. like you, you look kind of like a newsie, but you look like a little bit of a shabby newsie as opposed to a clean newsie, and some yeah. of the wealthier people just look like a clean. It's newsie. not quite <laughs> like it's the disparity is not as crisp. It's and not prequel clear. original trail original trilogy era complete difference, but it is like it is like sixty. I don't know. It's this is a, a Donald Sutherland's evil man, but he's like sixty. It feels years like younger. it's doing like late fifties, like late fifties. Because some some have black and white, some have color. Oh sure. For like their TV radio thing and and like. Oh yeah, the aesthetic of like like, like, like yes, the costumes yes, yes. and everything. Like you're very much like in, in this. They're they're 1955, <laughs> and I'm like okay, yeah, yeah, sure. I, uh... I only saw those Hunger Games movies once. Those are, they're all they're all fine. They're all cool. I I just I love a battle royale situation. I play Fortnite a lot. Uh, we just read Avengers Arena, great comic book. Um, I just like the idea of a Hunger Game as long as you give me a cool story. I have fallen in love with Rachel Zegler. So like I will sure. watch I will watch this for Rachel Zegler. I was gonna say like it's a very good cast with Viola Davis and Peyton oh, Dinklage there as well. Viola Davis looks sinister. Viola da Davis and for all intents and purposes the snow yeah. position. Um, what what really has me interested. I guess is that Snow seems to start as her mentor, as like a good guy, um, the Woody Harrelson role, yeah, and then gets involved in the game somehow. That is why I'm interested because it's like a it's a guy's downfall, like his Vader thing. And I'm like, ah, uh, why why do you get involved and want her on it, Mister? That's interesting. I thought this looked awful. Um... It is. It is. I will say, like, it is more of like it's it's a trailer, but it feels more, almost more like a teaser. I don't think it's cut particularly well. I think it looks good though. I watched three of the four. There are four Hunger Games films, right? Catching Fire is the third. Two. The third book is split into two films, and I also have only seen three. Yeah, yeah I never because saw the, the ending book. of the last book. Really turned me off on the whole thing. Yeah, I don't. I don't really. I've really. I've really turned on the Hunger Games. I don't really care for it. I liked the books when I read them, and I, I think I liked the first movie when I watched it. But I think after... the first two films. Sorry, just to throw in. I, I think the first two films are still actually very solid films. Yeah, I think the fourth one was my favorite. Because that's where all the action happens. Sure. Um, and I, I just, I just kind of, I'm not like Sparks said. I'm not interested in. Well, maybe I'm paraphrasing Sparks, but I'm not interested in going back to the Hunger Games universe. I, and I, I think we're just, it just feels like we're doing, regardless of what Snow is doing, it just feels like we're just doing the Hunger Games again, but sixty years earlier. Uh, I... Because Rachel Ziegler is from District Twelve. Yes, I would have less interest entirely if it were just like a film prequel, but because there was a book, I'm like, okay, so there's got to be there's got to be some story there. Yeah. So like some some impetus drove the author to want to return to this. Uh, I'm not saying that means it's Monday. good. I'm just saying like that means a little bit more than uh just tossing it out there. Just tossing it out there. Yeah.
Um, or she could have just really wanted a paycheck for a movie. But here's like, the, like, did they need it? Like the, the, the residuals and like, it's, these are not the only things this author has written. So it's not like they had to go back to the Hunger Games. Um, so that's all I mean is it's not just like a studio went, we need another Hunger Games, get a prequel. Blah! And like, mm -hmm. there, there's like, there is something thematically intended about, uh, I'm sure about it being snow at the center of the story. You're, you're a person who is the, the ultimate bad guy in the pretense of the other books, like telling some kind of story about what jaded him to believe that the way that society is run based yeah. around the Hunger Games, despite his participation in one said, yep, this is the best way. Brandon, as a prequel, I'm surprised you're not into this because it's about the downfall of an empire through a good person. Well, no, I know, the, but the empire lives for the next... No, the I, next just wanted, I just wanted to make a, a prequelist joke. If this looked like the prequels, I'd be more interested. What what I will say is that I'm I'm less interested to return to the like teenage apocalypse genre still. Yes, I'm, I'm still kind of done with it because of the overload of it for like a decade there. Um, I follow so, too many young people online because people are like, "Oh my god, we're finally getting YA apocalypse back," and I'm like, "Oh no." Right. Yeah. And I like you know if you grew up on that, I'm sure that that's very like woo. Um, uh, I'm I'm not as thrilled to see that genre again um but maybe there's some meat on these bones this maybe is certainly we'll... the most i've thought about hunger games since that last movie came out like 10 years ago so like maybe you know maybe i'm sure it'll be a good good theatrical experience but we'll finally get the last divergent movie i didn't it didn't it didn't come out i don't know I don't how many so. there are i don't, no, think, I don't, think, stuff... I don't think the last end of divergent ever happened um i never saw a single one aesthetically i think that this movie's doing a lot of cool stuff i think it looks for good. like just the contemplation of like what is you know blah 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 amount of years before um and just how does that change what the districts look like and how does it change uh what technology is like and that could make for some interesting arena game ideas again this is something that would have been thought of for the book so like and i haven't read it but i'm sure it's in there uh that's just that's that's nice yeah yeah a haunting in Venice. Boy, this trailer really wants to convince you that this is a different movie than the movie it is. I thought this was incredibly funny. I showed this to Zara without telling her what, what, what this was. And I was like, the biggest twist in this trailer, it's a Poirot movie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because like it's setting up a completely different movie. And then Kenneth Branagh's mustache shows up. And you're like, oh, what the hell? I will say, like, I, I, I thought that first one was fine. I, I'm not going to see the second one. But I will say this trailer did intrigue me that it's like a horror thing. And I hope, like, I don't know if I'll see it, but I hope it is a horror movie and it's not faking you out into, oh, it's just, it is just like another Pokemon, but it's just like we focused on some of the horror for the trailer. I, I, feel, I, I hope not. I think it is going to be like a horror movie. Well, I feel like it has to be because like the whole construct of Hunting in Venice, from my memory, is that uh, it it very much is like one of those things challenging Poro to question, is this the supernatural that I've encountered, or is this just like the person who's behind everything is very good at uh, creating the the illusion and the mystery and and getting people out of their heads about like, yeah, oh, am I am I actually encountering something spiritual? Um, and I I think that that's I think that's a fun story in general when you got a like very like logical detective who has to encounter like we we love this kind of noir pulp thing where they encounter the supernatural and something that makes them really question like the hounds of have, I found, have i found the real thing yeah um this happens all the time and i think this i think agatha christie did write a very good poirot one so if if it's anything like the book then yes you are meant to live just like poirot 
up until you know a certain point that is this the supernatural or not and if i recall correctly there's even still like the little bit of like like but this one part wasn't answered completely who knows yeah right exactly so like i i hope it does lean completely into that horror and it's that makes the trailer not as much of a lie it's very much like a horror film that turns on its ear once the reveal comes if i'm memory when they announced this i believe they all they're also taking elements of different uh horror themed Agatha Christie novels and incorporating them into this because this story is I as far as I as far as what was said in the interview when it was announced isn't very long um so they're so they're incorporating some things and they're writing their own stuff so it it theoretically could just be an original story at this point with the haunting of Venice name but sure yeah um I thought this looked really good actually um I really like that first movie the murder on the Orient Express I really like that movie I hated Death on the Nile. Um, I thought I think Death on the Nile is. I've told you guys about the mustache origin. Like I just really don't like Death on the Nile, but switching up genres, putting part. I like Kenneth Branagh's Poirot. Switching up genres, putting him in the situation where you're playing with this. Is it real? Is it supernatural? Is really interesting to me. So I'm actually really hoping that this delivers. Yeah. Uh, my main thing is while I like the like the the pretense of the trailer and everything. I hope this isn't something where while it does completely try and commit to the horror genre, it throws every kind of film horror trick, you know, oh, out. Sure. It, it like is like, that's kind of all you get. There's nothing kind of of its own or unique or inventive here. It's like, jump scare. Ah, it's exactly the mirror trick, you know, or exactly the, the sustained jump scare, you know, like I, I hope it doesn't fall into all those pitfalls and traps because Brana hasn't done a horror film before. So true. Um, Kizazimoto colon Generation Fire. Yeah, this is the Afro Future animation stuff we knew that Disney was working on um, with with uh, animated studios in Africa. Um, I love it. I love it. Like it's very visions uh, with like all these different styles and everything. But yeah. just knowing that we're getting authentic African voices uh, creating these stories of Afrofuturism is a really cool genre. Um, mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of f- fun to be had in it. Um, so the fact that we're getting this, I think is just awesome. This is one of those times where it's like, all right, Disney wield that corporate hammer for the benefit of all, yeah. like, uh, you know, just take that big swing that you can do with your money and power and put this in front of a lot of eyeballs. I think that's great. I think that's yeah. great. Looks very cool. I think this looks really cool. Wish. I want this to be good because I really like the shift in animation going on here. There are mm-hmm. some changes going on with Disney animation, which I appreciate um, that some of the backgrounds are getting in more of that 2D effect. We got our little star friend. Uh, definitely like the more a more popping Disney animation style than we've seen for a while. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. digging that. I'm digging it a lot. Um, you've got a voice cast I really like. You've got Ariana DeBose, Alan Tudyk, Chris Pine. Um but but there's nothing in this trailer that's immediately it's a teaser so i'm not holding it that too strong against it but i'm not 1000% sold yet i like that chris pines the bad guy seemingly um i just i want this to be a good story considering that they want this to be like the origin of the wishing star mm-hmm. as like a fable and i think that's cool you can definitely do some really cool stuff with that i just I'm not 100% with it yet. It I don't have enough information. Yeah. Um, kind of in a similar way to Pixar's Elemental. Is that what it's called? Elemental? Yes. Yeah. Where, like, 
everything you're showing me looks good, but I'm not connecting with it yet. Like it, it like I like the animation looks cool. I do like that is like it's not your, your same old thing, but like I wasn't seeing anything that I don't think I'd like really have ever I've seen all this before. And like it is a teaser, so I need more. I think the story is what I need. Cause like just the look of it, it's like, yeah, that's I just don't fantasy know, stuff. I just don't know who she is yet. Yeah. You know, like in that it's hard to I can't do one hundred percent commit to that. Kind of generic looking. But it looks it looks great, but like the like the designs of things were just kinda like, yeah, that's that's like old fantasy stuff. It, look, it looks fine. It looks cool. I think yeah, that's part I of the point. I agree with that. Then that kind of sucks because I don't think it looks good. <laughs> sure. Uh, real quickly, Mag, in the comments. Um, I keep forgetting he was a bad guy in Supermansion. Supermansion? I know the show, but who, who are we talking about? Chris Pine. Chris, Chris Pine, Pine, I believe. I don't remember that. It's also been a long time. Um, yeah, I think part of the point is to be in old fantasy trappings because it's like supposed to be the oldest fairy tale but yeah. like the, even the origin of fairy tales i don't know we'll see i'm yeah. eagerly awaiting another trailer i just i'm appreciative at this point that disney is uh trying to stretch with its animation rather than committing to the to the frozen forever look yes i agree um that that looks really nice also super happy that alan tudyk's finding more uses for his clay face voice i guess <laughs> yeah i uh i i mostly agree with what you guys are saying i do really like the animation i was ha I like sparks instead already i'm happy that they're stretching their legs there but there's not the the thing that i think that bugs me about the trailer is that i do like the, the snippet of the song that we get probably what is the big number of the of the, the film i i liked that and i i really like um the actress but i don't really get who this character is and i guess maybe that's not for this trailer so i gotta wait for the next trailer yeah transformers rise of the beasts um real quickly i'll just say real quickly with this new with this trailer came the news that uh coleman domingo has been from Candyman, the most recent Candyman, and fear the walking dead um has been is voicing unicron cool yeah he, so. we saw his eyeballs so makes sense we'll be talking um so yeah so so what, what do you think about transformers rise of the beasts Oh, silence. No, I just um, I like Transformers not as much as you guys. I'm sure you guys have more things to say than I do. Uh, I am afraid. Yeah. <laughs> I I just I don't know. Uh, I don't know why this story has to have unicorn after Bumblebee. Right, we're going straight to straight to Endgame. Um, yeah, where 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 do you go after this? Nowhere, I guess, to 2007 is what some would say. God, um, that pissed me off. No, you can't. Like, here's the thing. I saw I saw them say that, too. That they're yeah. like, well, like, still living in this idea that this can just, like, Bumblebee kind of, like, pseudo could say, like, yeah, the 2007 Transformers is down the road. This one also wants to be like, yeah, the 2007 Transformers is down the road. And I'm like, no, Unicorns. that's not possible. <laughs> I'm sorry. Way too much is happening across the world very publicly with the Transformers. You can't tell me that in 2007 oh, right. that, that like people <laughs> just went, whoop, don't remember that. Why like, should be a giant men in black mind wipe? And Unicron is in this movie, and he's in the center of the earth in the, in the, in the, in the in last night. Yeah. Oh, my uh, God. I wonder if they'll end it with it. No, they couldn't. They couldn't. They couldn't. It's, like, it's only like 15 years later. And he's um, bigger. He's much bigger. I, yeah. I'll be honest, like, like at, at the central conceit of, yo, there's like a rhino who turns into a robot. Like, that's, I'm here for this. I'm here for that. I like, you know, Primal, all that stuff's really cool. Like, Transformers are cool. I really like Bumblebee because it wasn't giant and massive like the Bay movies. It was small scale. It was small scale. And, like, 
it looks impressive, I guess. But like that big action scene at the end, I'm gonna be honest. I'm just like, I man, I just could not care less. <laughs> I I want to. I just went real quickly because you said it, lo- it it looks really good visually. I think it looks great. Like I love I love Unicron's design, and he looks massive and and like it works. Um, I just don't think he needs to be in this movie. Um, I also am curious. No, I want to preface this is totally something that the trailers could be hiding from us, but I'm not sure why the Maximals are even here. Why are the Maximals part of the story? Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with the Predacons. What are the Maximals doing here to help stop Unicron? I don't yeah, care. It's a it's a new it's a new it's an alternate universe or whatever. And but like the the idea of the Maximals is that they they came from the far Cybertron's far future into Earth's far past, and that's why and that's kind of where they connect with. They become kind of a pseudo sequel and prequel to G one. Yeah, yeah. um, it convoluted as hell and wasn't the initial thing, but that. But I really, I think that's a really cool part of their story that makes them super unique and really interesting. And I can't believe I'm going to praise Transformers: War for Cybertron Kingdom, but I think they utilize that idea really well. Of the the Maximals and the Predacons ended up in the past of um, of Earth to prevent a cataclysmic event that the that the Autobots and the Decepticons are going to be a part of. Um, and Unicron, to be fair, is involved in that too um but it's it's but here it's just like oh yeah we've been sleeping for a thousand years and now we're here to help you stop unicron like no i don't i don't think you're being i don't think you're incorrect to like praise kingdom like that that is a part of it that made sense yeah um and was executed on well i i think what this is like it's just them trying to simplify simplify it yo the old old you know old guys used to be here before the new guys like i i don't think they're they want to complicate it anymore when you have a giant unicron coming to space like i would love for them to do all the lore stuff but like for the the mass audience i don't think they want to even if it's not confusing to us they're not going to be going we're for the far future coming to the far past or so actually from the future like i just i think that overcomplicates it for a general audience well, no i but what i'm saying is you know what general audiences responded really well to star trek 09 to days of future past that this is what I was going to say. I was going to say the same thing. Like, I was going to make the same reference to Star Trek 09 because, like, you can easily say, like, this would have gone the Michael Bay way, but it's not going to. And the yeah. reason is because here they are. They came from the future because they're altering oh, an they event that's be, happening in the past. They could be hiding that. Yeah, they're probably hiding that. I, I hope that they, they say in the trailer, we've been here for a thousand years. Yeah. Maybe they just missed, they, the jump they, they missed the jump point. And I, you're right. You're right. That's perfectly valid. I'm not saying it's not part of the movie. I'm merely criticizing this trailer. Uh, yeah. Honestly, impossible to pass judgment on this film at this point. Um, it just, it just doesn't. It doesn't. I, what makes the what makes the Maximals unique doesn't appear to be in this movie. Well, what I agree with you most about is that even if that were the point, the the conflict I would still want to be around the Predacons being yeah. there, and like Unicron could be the thing that they're here to like alter the events of how it gets to and all that kind of stuff but i don't think unicron should be in this movie again kind of praising kingdom it should be the thing on the horizon a thing yeah. that's teased up yeah a thing that's built up to uh the kind of thing where you have like starscream have the vision where he sees unicron and he's like oh god the battle between the autobots and decepticons means nothing we were wrong <laughs> we were wrong we're all wrong um oh uh, that starscream stuff is so good yeah i i, I think like the 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 thing that really scares me about it is just this use of Unicron so early. It feels I'm getting I'm getting Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer 
uh flashbacks mm. um, yeah. and like a yeah, yeah. like we're gonna like blow our load on something in a way where we're not gonna understand or execute on it very well because we're we're going for it too hard too quickly um and as a person who was like really like Bumblebee and likes the idea of this new version of a Transformers timeline where we could get refreshing, more accurate Transformers stories, Rise of the Beast had me very hopeful until this moment when we know that Unicron is now the big thing in the movie. And I'm like, I feel like we got here too quickly, guys. <laughs> yeah, 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 I agree with that. And I also want to say, like, you because you brought up the Predacons, like you're, you're right. Like, the conflict should be the Predacons, honestly. Like, I, I don't understand why... I, I get the thing that that bugs me. This is a, this is gonna be a little bit longer than I anticipated, but but real quickly, I'll try to make it quick. But in Bumblebee, they wanted to use Megatron in the opening. You know that really awesome opening that has all the has all the Transformers looking like they they're supposed to. And the reason, and the producer said, you can't use Megatron because he's in ice on Earth at this point. It's dumb. Whatever. Okay, fine. And I feel like we're getting a similar trajectory here, where some producer is like, I'm so concerned. That the reason why the Predacons aren't in there in this movie is because they're they're led by someone named Megatron, even though it's not the same Transformer. And some producer said, ah, Megatron's in the ice, actually. I, I really, I really think I really think that like if you had this movie be about the Predacons and and the Maximals fighting, and the Predacons free Megatron from the ice, and that's like your inciting incident of, of like now the timeline's different. It's it's Evangelion. this won't be the same. Um, sure. Unicron will come, like all, all this kind of stuff. Like that could have been a cool way to do it, and like I don't know. Um, I'm I'm hopeful. There's a lot of cool. There's a lot of cool visual stuff going on in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever that whatever that highway chase scene is where RC's like you know hanging off the van and shooting i'm like i'm I'm into whatever's going on there um that looks great i really like anthony ramos um yeah i i hope he's got a real good i don't know what's going on with take the keys i don't know what he's doing oh that's the um that's the that's so in the original in in the movie um the the first movie the kid i think spike is the name he had a he had a suit that allowed him to become a a little mini transformer i think that's what that is sure oh man uh that's fun um i'm i'm hopeful because there's a lot of fun and cool elements and i want a good continuation away like in the direction of what bumblebee was doing um what i I don't know. What I feel like what's going to happen is that we're going to get two thirds of a Bumblebee, and then the final act will be giant and kind of ridiculous and rushed and, and, and too much. And this is why I'm getting Rise of the Silver Surfer vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I do really like the. I, I continue to really appreciate the design aesthetic of most of the Transformers going back to their original. Is that they're going back to the originals? What the hell did you do to Wheeljack? Why did you do that? I don't get the glasses. It's weird. RC looks great though. Um, I think yeah. RC looks fantastic. Um, Question: I'm, You're fine no. with robot beards, but not glasses. Who has a beard? What's the guy in, in Transformers Three? How? No, just talking about in this movie. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just making, I'm just making a silly joke. I think, I think, I wasn't I think, okay with that either, by the way. Okay, no, then, then we're okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think Brandon's point is like so much of this has gone back to the classic designs, and then there's Wheeljack that's bringing much more of the base the style bass. design with like the full lips and the glasses, and like. Is he still technically this? an executive producer on these? Oh, he might be. I don't know. Yeah. He gets that five percent bag to come in. And like, but, but like the last time we saw the Transformers, these Autobots, they looked like they did in G one, and you can make the case that they constantly change. But why did we? I just, I just kind of feel like you got to go by the silhouette uh, thing. If you look at a silhouette of Optimus Prime, and you can't tell that's Optimus Prime, maybe you should tweak the design until you can. 
Yeah. Um, and same thing with like Wheeljack. Wheeljack's had a pretty distinct silhouette with like the big, the the bigger ears and the the the, the wings and the the mouth plate. Like, I don't get why we decided to go forward with this Bay was more closely looking like Michael Bay. And also on that note, uh, we need to get rid of Optimus Prime's lips. I'm sick of them. I don't want to see them anymore. Keep that face plate alive. I think we're like 16 years too late. <laughs> I agree, but this they they, they they need to do it. I'm done with them. I'll tell you what, I agree, but as we keep getting instances where his cool mask thing goes over, and I always love that when a cool sure. mask gets to do a thing. So I'll take the bad to get the good. That's fair. Um, I I hope this one is good. Stephen Cable Jr. Um, who's the director of Creed Two? I really like Creed Two, so I'm I'm, I'm hoping for the best because again, Bumblebee was such a good like palate cleanser. And it just did give me a little like, oh no, just a little bit, a little bit. Again, I think Unicron looks great. Shouldn't be in the movie though. Um, I talk about that on Kaiju Weekly. If anyone's interested in uh, more bitching from me about this movie. Um, All right, main topic. It's time. See you soon. All right. All right, so we're going to talk about Sisu. Sisu. Uh, directed, written and directed by Jalmari uh, Helander. Um, and normally I don't say who it's starring by, but because I wasn't familiar with this actor, I wanted to shout him out. Starring uh, Yorma uh, Tomala. Yeah. Um, this is uh, full spoilers um, for this for this uh, action film. So if you have not seen this movie, you know, you know the drill at this point. Pause, skip. Go away, do whatever, uh, not to get spoiled if you don't want to. Uh, otherwise, what do we think about this? I had such a good time watching John Wick's grandpa kill Nazis. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Loved it. L- like, man, let me tell you. I said this in the car. If you give me once a month a 90-minute tight action movie with very little dialogue that's heavy on vibes, I will be a happy man the rest of my life. This is like, this is like, it gave me, gave me John Wick one vibes of like, you know, like cool aesthetic, great action. Uh, it doesn't overstay its welcome. I had a fabulous time with this movie. Sparks? Yeah, I mostly echo what Ryan said. I think that um, it's just refreshing to have this story set in the, the avenue it is. Like once we get the opening and it establishes, you know, what's being done with Finland as Germany is is vacating is that they're like, okay, we have to leave, but we're going to like destroy everything we see in our path as we go. Scorched Because uh F you guys hate that we're losing um, real sore loser action. And I think that's, that's just a unique place to set a story. Um, and then Finland is beautiful. Um, it's just a beautiful, well utilized by the cinematography countryside oh, yeah. uh, to see. So all of that was just a pleasure um, to watch. And then on top of that, uh, our, our main actors, our main cast are really great. Um, especially as as you spotlighted uh, Yorma Tabilla, who doesn't talk until the very end of the film, Love but him. delivers a great performance. And then uh, Axel Henny, who plays the lead Nazi, um, and some of his other group, like they're all they're all so good. Uh, it's just a good, it's an enjoyable way to watch Nazis get messed up. Yeah, I mostly I. Actually, completely agree. Frankly, um, I loved this. I thought this was really fun, uh, incredibly tight. Love the pacing of it. Um, yeah, I love a good Nazi killing movie. Like, what can I say? It's maybe it's maybe gene coded in my DNA, but I love it. Yeah, uh, uh, I had a great time. 
Yeah, I, I don't think there's a lot of, and this is not a negative, but just like John Wick, like there's not a lot of depth here. It is a very straightforward, you know, man on a mission, uh, 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 trying to live his life, gets, gets, you know, get, get to get revenge. Um, but it's just like, it just, it executes everything it's trying to do perfectly. Um, I love the extended other, I didn't realize that he wasn't going to talk the entire movie. I thought it was just going to be the opening act, but the halfway through the movie, I'm like, this guy's instead of saying a word, yeah, I love it. I love this. Um, yeah, he, what Sparks said, like I, th- I find all the villains. I love them. They're 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 exactly who they need to be. They're assholes. They're abusers. They're sexual assaulters. They're everyone who needs to die. You know that kind of thing. So like you don't mind. And they have, them. and you know they have such interesting character quirks on their own. Like they yeah. they are everyone is everyone that we meet is a well rounded character. Everyone who has a speaking role really you get who, everything you need to know about the character, and they feel like real characters, um, which makes the Nazi killing extra good. Yeah, um, yeah, our guy. Like the first twenty minutes. It's just him walking around, mining, digging, hanging out with his dog, and I'm like, ah, oh, this is great. I love this. It's just, we're vibing. Just look at this cinematography. It looks gorgeous. I think that's one of my favorite shots in the whole movie is this part where he goes up and he looks over the countryside way, way, way off oh, in the God. distance where the mountains are and sees the explosions and of war and, and knows, knows that it's happening, <laughs> um, but he stays away. And I will admit that this is where... I started to try to figure out what his motivations were and who he was at this point in the movie. And I set myself up for failure um, because when he has that moment, he's messing with his ring. Mm -hmm. And I interpreted this as a man trying to get this goal to benefit his family, to like give them a life out of the war and and out of what the war had done to them. And then we Mm -hmm. learn later that like, he has no one and nothing. This wealth is just for him. And that, made me a little less invested in his his need to recover the wealth i was like uh, yeah. i mean like i don't want the nazis to have it but like um that was that was i set myself up for that by by creating an idea that i thought that the movie was trying to tell me at that point that's in time. A, I, I i get that i i that's a, that's a bummer because like i definitely i want to quickly just want to say like that's interesting because the way i interpreted that same scene you know, always, always a uh, love how how uh, two people can read something so differently and both be valid. Um, which is that I thought that the Nazis had killed his wife and child, and that's how I interpreted that that kind of lamenting ring turn. Um, yeah. So I found that in- I found that fascinating. Yeah, I just I thought that I thought that part of what the movie was trying to tell us was, and it was me searching for like why is the why is the gold going to be so important if it's to if it's for his family if it's for his wife, um, uh, then I, that meant more to me um, when it like when they paint this picture of this man who has lost all this stuff, um, wealth becomes the only thing. I was like, that's fine. That's a that's fine. That's Gotta fine survive. as a motivation. Um, I, I don't have a problem with it, I guess. Uh, certainly don't want the Nazis to have the gold. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, I really like the use of setup and payoff uh, in this film. I talk about it a lot with action films. I think it's really important that you set something up and pay it, and pay it off. There is one sp- spectacular payoff that I, I just, I threw my hands up because I was so excited for it. And that was the one, that was the nuclear bomb on the plane. Uh, when we, there's a shot on the nuclear bomb, I'm like, oh, use it and then we see how he's going to use it and i was just like yes not yes not a, home run not a nuclear bomb but just a, a bomb oh i thought it wasn't yeah. it was just a, 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 a nuclear bomb would have done far far more that's damage Hiroshima. To the... well if, if if a nuclear bomb isn't isn't armed I thought, if the nuclear bomb isn't armed it's not it's not uh gonna explode like that right well 
but they also shouldn't have a nuke they, at this that's time. True. Yeah, they don't. On that yeah. plane, you're right. That's true. So I think it's just a warhead, mm-hmm. um, not a. Either way, doesn't matter. Excellent moment. Loved it right. so much. Rose my hand up and and and, and excitement. Um, I I just I just truly just like that that like nailed it for me. How much I love the movie. Uh, definitely the movie went a whole half a point higher just because of him plummeting to his death saying f you uh yeah. while attached to that warhead i was like all right you got it good movie <laughs> i uh i knew the dog was gonna survive because the trailer has a little sticker don't worry the dog survives and i think that's really funny because we're oh, just trained cute. in society uh we're like oh you see an animal in a movie oh, oh no something bad might happen uh i did not see that so when that dog came up with the dynamite i was like huh? yeah <laughs> I, I knew i even then, I, that was the moment where I'm like, did they lie to me? Oh my God. <laughs> that dynamite's about to go off. That yeah, is yeah. a great moment. Um, I It's so funny how like, like I really, uh, I, I like the Nazi characters, but like I, I like them because like, I know they're awful and I know that they're having bad things coming to them. But the guy I like the most for some reason is the tank driver who doesn't really have any lines. He has half his face is burnt and you just know this dude like, he like has like a heart on for Sisu. He thinks he's so cool. He's always looking at him. He takes his hat off to respect him after he kills him. And I'm like, that's just a fun little fun little thing. He burned half his face and he still respected him. And then the colonel's like, no, you're right. He is a badass. Uh, I think uh, I think that's great. Um, it's I was sad when he got shot in the face by the, by by the colonel. I'm like, oh man, like, Nazis be Nazis, I guess. <laughs> What's really interesting is that be, is that uh, they knew that we'd like that character. So watching Sisu kill that character. Not down with that. Watching a Nazi kill that character, down yeah. with that. Yeah, that's uh, uh, the the mine scene. I think it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, oh my god! Uh, uh, all the all the open fire. When that when that horse exploded, I was shocked. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, I knew the moment they were doing the slow motion shots on the the hoof stepping, I'm like, it's gonna step on a mine. Oh, and for like thirty seconds, he held that horse. Yeah, I really, I really like that he mourns the horse uh, after it's. I like, I like that. Um, the one of the best kills is in the trailer, which it, it's fine. It sold me in the, in the movie, but the, when he, no, when he throws the mine at the dude, oh, it like, yeah. <laughs> great, great moment. Isn't yeah. it stuck to his like his like panning thing? He throws it like a shield. No, no, no. no he still has. He still has the shield. Oh, he does. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, just because we, we just see it fly out of the smoke. Yeah, it and just it like flips, lands on him. Yeah, he, how does he pick it up? That's he would have, he would have like dug it out and grabbed it from the bottom and like tossed it. And one of the things that one, another moment I really like in that same in that same scene is just like the mm-hmm. the two we saw, again we see in the trailer the two Nazis kind of running on both sides. What we don't see in the trailer is that when one blows up, the other blows up, and then the leg blows up a third mine. Right, <laughs> that was great. How many how many mines did you plant? All of them. <laughs> just the fear like damn it i was kind of surprised that the mine sequence because of that like that he asked that question after yeah. those guys have blown up and then we don't get any more mine explosions after that yeah i was a little surprised um but it's fine we didn't um, need to yeah i i think the the opening uh ryan already mentioned it the opening with them that it's just a while honestly we spend a lot of time with this character where there's no action happening um he's he's just it, it's it's just he's looking for gold and when he finds the gold he he gets on his horse and starts going and like that's that's a while and i really like that i think it's a really interesting mood piece and really tone piece and i one of the kind of um shout out to the pacing of this film i'm not bored i'm not 
I'm not sitting there waiting for the action to come. I'm I'm engaged in the movie still, and there is no action happening. I'm just I'm just enjoying this time with this character. Yeah, because sure. it, it's a it's a well shot movie, and again, being in Finland, like that place is beautiful, and it's like allowing like just allowing a place to exist. Like that is that is cinema, baby. It's just like look how beautiful the world is sometimes, and look what the Nazis are doing to it. Uh, yeah. Real quick, uh, anytime, and I immediately I said I said the sparse like I love it. Like anytime you show me a map in a mm-hmm. movie and like they, and like arrows are pointing to it in Indiana Jones or the Nazis are burning it from the inside. I go, I go off for that shit. I don't know why I love maps in movies and video games so much. Um, but I thought the opening, I was like, cool. Also having chapters, they didn't need it, but it was fun. And they were getting more broken up over time. I, I liked the title cards. I thought, yeah. that, was, I thought that was very fun. Um, yeah. I, I liked that attack on it. Uh, I, I really like the map bit again with the narrator at the beginning. Like it just, it fills you in. And I think that's really nice. Um, again, like it's giving you this window into a pocket of World War II that we're, we're not usually exposed to. So yeah. I thought that was a lot of fun. The scorched earth, uh, the way they explain the scorched earth and like the Nazi symbol with the fire spreading out in a circle. Love it. Max says, I'm glad that we never got too deep in his past when he fought in flashback scenes. I agree. Yeah, I'm glad we stuck. We stuck in it. Um, yeah. No, you, you get all the information you need. And I thought it was interesting where it comes from and how. But like from the, the other German general on the other side of the radio mm-hmm. saying that, uh, yeah, just just leave that guy. Don't even just go home. It's not worth it. Oh, and I love, I really, really like the villain's motivation. Right. Because they, it makes perfect sense. It makes sense. And like this dude, he, he's the leader of this army and it's a war he knows he's losing. And he knows if he goes back, then like he will probably get like court martial or murder or, or anything, anything awful. So he meets a man who has enough gold to run off for paradise forever. He's like, this is my out. This is how we win. And I'm like, bro, I love your motivation. I can't wait to see you get murdered. It's so good. <laughs> There's a moment in this movie that uh, I really love. Uh, again, I'll name many before the night is over, I'm sure. But when the when they come upon the crash plane, um, and they're looking at the at the guy in the plane, the dead pilot, and the guy's like, "That's my rope, the one we hung the dude with." Yeah, and, and everyone's like, like, "Everybody move!" Oh, the <laughs> colonel, the colonel looks up at the sky like God. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was really funny. Like it's a, because at that point we built that up, like we feel that, like the Nazis are like, "Oh shit." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we got the we got the girls, uh, 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 the Finnish girls who are who are captured, and they luckily they 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 have a great scene where they get they get a bunch of guns, and they, it reminded me very much of the the scene in Sin City when all the girls are on top of the rooftop and they're shooting down all the gangsters below. Uh, I'm like, we gotcha. Um, and that was really fun. It's like yeah. you know, it's always a good time seeing like a bunch of machine guns. No, I really like the way that they put. Uh, this is a good point because I really like the music in this point to bring up that I really oh, like the music. score. Yeah, I thought the score was was a really cool choice of of this kind of hard hard rock sound, heavy guitars. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I thought that guttural was really cool. guttural when vocals. Yeah, when it's pulling up on the side, it's like somewhere between like Mad Max and and the Northmen. I definitely felt like Mad Max, and it's like it's just on a road. Our story is on this road. No, That's I meant in it. like the score. The score, yeah, the score yeah. is like living between Mad Max and um, the Northmen score. Gotcha. Uh, sure. I also feel tone of the movie also. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the part where they pull up on the side and they take out the Nazis is really good. Um, she's just driving the car. And she's like, "What's up?" I also like that he leaves the guy, the only guy who were shown with film language clearly was raping at least one of them yeah uh yeah. is left to them at the end uh, i thought that was pretty good yeah the humor and this is the humor and this is very funny i think the movie is just in general very funny mm-hmm. um there's there's a bit where they're where they're like someone like the they're like why'd they slow down so they honk and then they like 
wave the dead body <laughs> to give the okay. Um, I thought that was very funny. Oh my god, the the biker duo. They're like, was that one of ours? <laughs> yeah. Was yeah. that them? <laughs> and they just, and like, oh, they just jump out of the car and just run away. They just get there and he just blazes his pickaxe. Whatever, whatever the name is, cut Koshi or yeah, yeah. whatever it is, and they're like, oh, gun cock. <laughs> Bye. They just get out of the motorcycle and leave because I love how slowly they show up at this moment. It's like, yep. I don't, I don't, you know what? It's and fine. He just, These guys oh, are weird. He me yeah. and, he, and he dares them. Oh, yeah. It's like the, the in a very, in a very Ben, Ben Magnet being his Mary Frankenstein character. Like, you dare cross me? <laughs> there you go, Ben. Hope you enjoy that whenever you see Sisu and listen to this review. <laughs> what was he? Um, what was, uh, Ooh, like the, it's like the, it's like the moment in Iron Man 3 when the dude, these guys are so weird. These guys are so weird. I love that. Mag brings up the best scene is when the hero is stitching up his wounds and the pilot is watching in horror. I agree. Yeah. That yes. dude was so funny. Shoot the dog! Shoot the dog! Oh no, my friend's dead. Yeah, just uh, <laughs> co- like closing it with like these handmade stitches oh, and staples that he creates for himself to close it and then putting the gasoline on it. And I'm like, digging the bullet. This is pretty gnarly, man. Yeah. This guy should be dead. He just refuses to die. <laughs> willpower this guy should have been dead a few times he gets hung and no nope. strong neck the thing that plane that plane, that plane is- careens down careens down and disappears yeah it's just oh. gone oh my gosh that was so gnarly the way that he stays up there is like he gets hooked into his into his wound <laughs> oh man that and bleeds for hours yeah that, that man is still living immortal uh that dude died like a week later from the infections he yes. definitely got in all his wounds <laughs> when he landed in the muck like at bare minimum the that thing, guy is dead the thing that i like is like yes he is like he is like our hero and he's like basically invincible but like this dude is taking naps like three times in this movie because he is so tired and about to die he's fallen he definitely falls asleep twice and wakes up the nazis i it's it's, go ahead sparks i was gonna say real quick to the scene that mag is talking about one of my favorite things was before it is that it's something that you don't often get which is where like for just an instant you without him saying anything we do get the notion that it's like no he's gonna give up now um, because he puts the gold in the dirt and he buries it and he's yeah. like, that's it. Um, as long as they don't get this gold piece, like it's the bare minimum I can do. Here we are. Yeah. And then he yeah. sees the plane. He's like, oh, well, <laughs> F this. <laughs> A chance. I really, I think that, um, I think this guy's surviving so many times and the naps are a subtle way of telling the, of cueing in the audience that, yeah, we're, we're stretching this believability, but not so far that you won't be with us anymore. And the film has already um, presented itself as this kind of absurd action, action film. And so like his, again, he survives a plane crash on a plane made out of tape and screws. Um, yeah that that sank into the muck and we want him to get out of there like there's no question in our minds that he has he didn't survive that and uh, that's how that's how good this 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 kind of uh, uh world that we have inhabited for 90 minutes is he inhales oxygen out of the blood oh my god nest <laughs> of one of his enemies not just incredible too, too yeah incredible in underwater he's like and i'm like man this is I've never seen that before. Wow, that's some video game shit. I love it. You got. I, I adore it. On that wound to get any oxygen out, my man. <laughs> He's done it before. I I Plain love it. Getting in there, regardless. Yeah. 
I love it because you because you see that like he's like Jaws right in that moment he's like swimming in there and you're like oh well, he's gonna get it and he cuts his throat and like oh he got it and then it gets worse and he just breathes through the neck the guy's just, just growing away we shoot deserters I don't care yeah no, well what's what's incredible what's what's so funny about that I moment have more is of a chance with you shooting at me than I do getting in this water because it's revealed that actually Sisu is pulling the yeah. boat at that point yeah. and so like they they both have the the two Nazi generals are both like oh shit. Oh, yeah, right. They both look at each other like, <laughs> "Damn it!" Yeah, yeah. There, um, there, is, there is like there is a scenario where this movie is two hours long, and we get backstory, and there is like family stuff, and like it, for a movie like this, you don't need it. Just like you know, like keep it simple, keep it easy, keep it sleazy, keep it uh, safe, keep it safe, keep it simple, keep it safe, simple sort Um, I think he, we we get everything we need to know about this character from this man's performance from um uh yorma uh tamala like his performance is incredible as this uh, in the silent role where again he doesn't speak until the final moments of this film um and i just think it's like such masterful acting that he is just we get it we see his fear we see his uh his fury we see his fear when when the dogs the surprise when the dog shows up um the happiness and like we he has got such an incredible range of motion that you absolutely see and feel through his face. And I think it's so good. Uh, this guy directed a movie that I love that I didn't know. He directed Rare Exports, A Christmas Tale, which is about oh. a bunch of crazy elf Santas. Uh, love that movie. Uh, this guy's super cool. Yeah, um, this is so cool that this movie, like, I don't know how well it's doing or how big it is. Um, do, do we? It wasn't at, at our local theater, right? So it's a smaller no. movie? No, well, yeah, it is a smaller movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I definitely know, like, budget, but, like, like distribution-wise, but, like... Because it's... it's, it's you know international and then being yeah. distributed yeah. so uh but this being like a finnish movie uh where we're most of it is in english despite you know our main character like our the guy is, he's a finnish actor and most of these people are finnish actors finnish writer director um so it is it is interesting that like it is mostly in english just so you know it can get to the world more and definitely to america but i'm just glad that like man it's so cool that this is basically like this is all finnish production uh like watching those credits there's so many crazy names i'm like man it's awesome i love it uh not not a johnson or smith in sight love it I love I, I love when he shows up at the bank at the end and he's just get the the guards at the bank are like holding the guys like uh are we should we shoot this guy and he just walks in and he's making all this noise and everyone's looking at this guy and he just dumps all the gold on the table it's, just, it's such a good moment it's such a triumphantly good moment that it's it's needed. really funny because up until now we've only seen like the dirtiness of war and yeah. then we go into this building and everyone's wearing suits and ties and hats and the pretty ladies are all like dolled up and like this man just like stomping mud into the place and like that's that is funny there's a whole other world that he's not living in right now um yeah i i think it is a fun way to end the movie too just like i thought he was gonna end on i'd like to make a deposit i did but, too yeah now see i think that would be really funny but like it would be a lot uh it's less heavy if it's in bills yeah i'm like eh, it's, uh, it's not as funny i'll take big bills please <laughs> yeah should be easier to carry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And again, like I don't, I didn't need to know like his 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 motivation or anything. I'm happy that he just got some money. He went through a lot. He just really wants that gold. Yeah. I I, I if I found all that gold too, I'd be a millionaire. I really I really like the the line of dialogue that the, that the Germans talk about his past. When we're just like, um, uh, you know, he eventually he just got so so crazy. They just set him. They just let him loose and let him. Let him kill whoever he could. At one point, yeah. he killed 300 men. He, yeah, they just pointed him because they couldn't control him anymore. Like, yeah. hey, can we go kill those guys, please? We won't say anything about it. Uh, yeah, I, I really like this movie. Um, 
like Ryan said earlier, there's really not a lot to digest about this film. I yeah. suggest it's a great movie. It's a great movie. I think we all agree. Should we rate? Yeah, I will give it a nine out of ten. I think it's a great time at the movies. I can see this movie like being like a cult classic. Like I, I really like. I think it's really cool. I think it looks great. Uh, uh, just a great low budget action movie. Yeah. Sparks. Put this right up there with Inglorious Bastards. You want to watch some Nazis get messed up? It's a nine out of ten. And that, I'm pretty sure that the, the main Nazi in this movie is one of the guys in that movie too, in the Michael out. Fassbender bar scene. I'll find out. Please find out. It's got oh, excuse lines. me. Um, I will actually give it a nine point five. I had a I had a gloriously good time with this movie. I it's funny. It's awesome. It's everything. And I mean awesome in like the literary sense of the word. Like it gave me awe. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, I, I love this movie. I thought this was great. He is not <gasps> in the Inglorious Bastards. No, he is like, so much similar. He is in the Cloverfield Paradox, apparently. He is. I do remember that. Oh no, I. He's a guy. Yeah, he does look very similar to a guy I'm thinking of. But that's you know that that's sometimes. Um. All right. Shall we go into our book club then? It's time. Symbiotisu. All right, Sparks, take it away. All right, hey, it's me. I picked a little something. It's a King in Black tie, and it's called Symbiote Spider-Man, The Sword and the Spirit. It's a five-issue story. It's by Peter David, uh, and with art by Greg Land and Jay Listine as the inker, and Frank D'Armada as the colorist. And I really enjoy it. It's a nice little story. Um, So the whole pretense of this is that it is set during the time when... Spider-Man had the black suit on and didn't know it was an alien symbiote yet. Things hadn't quite uh, hit the fan, as they would say. And there's this a- is the late '80s, early '90s, uh, and that is to say that there are uh, some <clears throat> other uh, series by this team that are symbiote Spider-Man like little vignette stories, uh, five issue stories that take place in this time period that are like fleshing out Peter Parker before things got out of hand. Um, And I think that that's really fun. And so what you get is you get these encounters with um, Kang and Rocket and Uatu and Captain Marvel, and it's all set at this time period. Uh, So like they're all uh, according to the knowledge base that would be had for that uh, time in the comics, which I think is a lot of fun. And the story is basically revolving around um, what I really like as a summation real quick, if I can find it, is... When Mr. E is in Smythe saying, uh, as the eclipse is coming over the sun, um, this is a display of the shadow realm. As matters progress in the future, it ripples back to the past. History rewrites itself. Or did you just think creation ran only one way? So the implication being that like the events of the King and Black Null being freed at the time when it's happening in the King and Black event is rippling backwards to cause uh, these events with Mr. E and uh, other things to benefit Null in the future. Um, which I think is a lot of fun. It's a, just a cool tack to do on it, and you get all this kind of crazy uh, interactions and energy because Peter doesn't know about the symbiote stuff, but the these things are reacting to the symbiote. Brother! Like, regarding it as brother, which I think is a lot of fun. Um, and so he gets wrapped up in this whole story based around Black Knight's Ebony Blade. Uh, what did you guys think? Before I say my thoughts, we did a Peter David book I was going to say a couple weeks ago, but time doesn't work that way. Probably months by now. That right. that it was uh, FF sixteen oh two, and that book's awful. That is an awful book. Uh, Sparks, I loved this book. Yes, I 
I was worried because I've read a lot of Peter David, mostly X Men and some of his early Spider Man stuff. Uh, like he, he, when he hits, he really hits, but when he sucks, he really sucks. So I was, I didn't know what Peter David I was going to get this time. And man, like this is Peter David at his best. Like he is such a good Spider Man writer. He is so good. Like there's a reason this dude wrote Spider Man for so long. Um, all like, I I thought this book was so fun. This is like a quintessential comic book. Um, and I'll be honest, this kind of unlocked something for me because like. I read a lot of comics. I don't read a lot of these flashback comics. The X-Men right now have a lot of them going like, oh, we're, we're doing the X-Men from the 90s with Chris Claremont and like Fabian Nicieza. And it's just like, I just don't want to revisit those old eras. You know, I'm someone who lives in the future. This book was so good. I'm like, well, oh, of course good stories can exist at any time. Like that's a dumb way to think. I'm like, this is going to make me read other comics because like it, a story is a story regardless. And like, I, it was like a weird mental block I put on myself. But like, I think I think his characterization specifically, his Jameson is top notch. Oh my god, um, his Jameson is so funny, dude. I was I can't believe how much I laughed in that I, book. That that bit he has with uh, Betty Brant, where where he asks like, Betty, would you say that I'm uh, I forget what it is. Shit, Mr. Jameson, <laughs> uh, you called. Would you say I'm reasonable? No need, sir. You said enough for the both of us. <laughs> right, yeah. Top, also, top real quick, Greg Land is known as the guy who traces pornography, and I'm not saying he did that for, for this, but he's a guy who who loves a big open mouth lady. I'm just saying. Mm. A, lot of, a lot of open mouth ladies in this comic. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I want to say, um, because you brought up Jameson, um, there's a bit that I really like where where he's running away from Mr. E. No, from Ned uh, in the in the, in the shadowy suit and he runs away he's like i don't know what's happening but i bet spider-man has something to do with it right yeah. i i love i love when spider-man saves him uh i have that here and uh he comes crashing in and saves him and jameson who had just been panicking he's like it takes a moment i'm billing you for that skylight <laughs> um yeah i i love this I, I had a lot of fun with this one yeah <clears throat> um i i really i really like kang God, yes, me too. I really like Kang in this. Okay. I think he's fantastic. Uh, yes, one of my favorite things is having Kang and Uatu in this story, and both of them having like more knowledge and learning more about the King in Black and uh, what's going on with Spider-Man. And they're like, oh, okay, this is the time period we're de dealing with. And I really love... Um, his relationship with Rocket specifically, because Rocket saves him, and you get this bit uh, after they've had like a tussle on the ship, and, and Rocket's like, "Are you okay?" And he has like, "Don't worry, he has nothing in his arsenal of tricks that can." And Rocket's like, "Are you okay?" And he's like, "Yes." <laughs> and I'm like, he's like, "Humans, you talk so much. I just I, wanted to know." I love this. Uh, and then we get uh, we get like a '90s Captain uh, Captain Marvel, like when she's leading the Avengers, Monica Rambeau, and I'm like, "This God, what? This is this is such a good era of of, of comic characters." Uh, this is like the peak Monica, honestly. When again, she's leading the Avengers, right? Uh, and when she's she says Kang, and he's like, "Oh, here we go." I have you. Like, I love all this. Like, the, the interactions are just oh my god. And like, Ulick the troll, he's like a third rate uh, uh, Thor character who shows up every now and then. But like, I love Ulick the troll and his sister Ulisha. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, he needs the killer, and they they find that whole way to like you even get Cosmo by the end of the story. Yeah. Uh, but just like one of my favorite things as I was reading this was just the way that they found to tie in this story not only to King and Black but rope in all these like really across the board like what's the weirdest kind of amalgamation team we can put together of characters we got the black knight we got symbiote spider-man we've got captain marvel Ooh, like rocket the troll. rocket raccoon before he meets the guardians and uh kang um uh, uh mystery he's like rejoice as you wish spider-man it will be the last time for i will destroy the galaxy then consider us the guardians of the galaxy i'm pretty sure that's taken 
I really, uh, I really like that joke a lot because at that point, the Guardians of the Galaxy, as we know it now, hadn't existed. So this was yeah. she was still thinking about the the Guardians from the year three thousand. Vance Astro and all. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, um, oh, this is a great fight between uh, Mystery and Captain Marvel. Uh, you seem confused, Dark Man. Allow me to shed some light on the subject. And yeah. she does a cool light thing with the sword. Both oh. both times she illuminates him up, I think it looks gorgeous. The way that they translate in the art her power yeah. is awesome. Um, and I love that uh, as the way that she's able to get her the upper hand on him and banish him. I got another thing that made me laugh. Uh, this is Spider-Man talking to the Watcher. Uh, he's, Spider-Man says, you know you can sit. I do not sit. What do you mean? I mean, I do not sit. I always stand. Like a horse? I suppose, except you're not a horse. How do you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, ooh, Uatu's got jokes. Um, Uatu is is also like top tier in this book for me. I love when he walks up on Mystery, Mystery, like calling him out for never doing anything. He's like, no, you just observe. You observe and you take notes. You recall that. Come on, what are you going to do? And he gets right in his face. And he's like, watch me, yeah. um, which is so 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 good. <laughs> um, I, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I think the humor in this movie, in this movie, and in this book, is very top notch. Like, as Ryan said, we we read a bad Peter David book uh, not too long ago, and so and so I was really surprised when I when about like the second issue, I was like, oh no, I'm actually really enjoying this. Oh. I really I really love eclectic eclectic teams, and I really think that Peter David has a good voice for all the characters in this book, all the major players in this book, mm-hmm. and um and I cannot state how much of an MVP Kang is for me because everyone everyone hates this guy. Everyone knows he's he's gonna he's the the one who tries to conquer, and he's like, I live in this universe. Why won't, don't you think I would want to save it? I don't want to rule over a universe of dead people. Like I'm trying yeah. to help. <laughs> yeah, and it's like and like he's talking about it not like. Like a, I'm Kang is like a, what are you talking about? Like, I just, I, I don't want to, I so want to save this. This is the other thing I like about it is that like, not only do I think these are, these are pretty good voices for the characters. I think they are very good interpretations of the voices while not written 100% the same way, but like basically who these characters were at that point in time in the comics. Mm-hmm. Like one of my favorite things is this repeating guy oh, yeah. he does where it's like, take him. Uh, Kang says, take him. And he's like, he's took. <laughs> I'm like, that's, so, that's him, yeah. so of the time period. So does, so does Peter. Um, and I think that's so of the time period and like very much oh, like yeah. this is not the Kang that is written today, but it is the Kang. It is much closer to who Kang was being written like at this point in time with yeah. symbiote Spider-Man and everything. One of the reasons I also think Peter works for me is because he's like, he's not in that full-blown asshole phase yet, but he's a little more dickish and a little more aggressive than Peter usually is. But it works because that's part of the point of this point in time with the Spider-Man. So it really, really works for me that Peter's a little like more on edge, a little more like jabby with the way that he picks on people and the things he'll say um like he's he's rude to the black knight directly like they'll just let anybody in the avengers and he's like yeah. hey whoa that was pretty rude he's like oh my god did i say that out loud <laughs> i uh, uh i love the ending panel of uh spider-man and uatu and he's like the black knight is currently healing back of avengers mansion spider-man's like what about ned and Smythe? safely at home i've wiped their memories to give them some measure of, of peace you can do that he just looks at him peter looks at him spider-man's like why am I on the roof? Yeah. Like, ah, it's comedy gold. Um, Damn, I, it's so funny back to back how somebody can be like so good at something. And then you read something like, man, people are have multitudes. That's crazy. I also, I also really like the kind of um, emotion that Peter David brings to Uatu in this book. Um, Cause there's a bit at the end where, where Uatu is ready to take Monica to the future. Uh, like yeah. to, to the King in black, like to that yes. event. And yes. he's, and he's like, okay, I'm going to time travel us. I'm talking to my future self. I'm going to time travel us. We're going. 
but and he's like what's going on is like and he's like i guess my i guess my species doesn't think even this is enough to warrant an intervention yeah right i now this makes me wonder if like there is some random mention of uato in um in the modern going i just talked to my previous self but we can't do anything about it like that'd be that'd be i'm so i'm still going through the king and black event but i'll let you know if like there is a direct connotation here mm-hmm. um merlin's in this book <laughs> merlin's merlin's cool i also well i really love when merlin surprises peter but i also love when the black knight has his scene his section with merlin and he's like hold on before i hand over the blade what's my name and he's like you're the black knight and he's like no 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 my name and he's like oh damn it you're good pretty sneaky sis <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. um i think that's a lot of fun i really i do like the energy of mystery i like him just as like this confusing foreknowledge thing uh that is connected to null um i really love when that he's so committed to his name um and i i like when he's captured by the collector and he like pleads to null uh like just let me more power and i could do something he's like boy you caught me when i'm generous okay yeah. um I, I i think this book's just a, t- a time of fun yeah. um uh i i really like that peter does work for me in peter david's writing here because he is such a butthead um and i think it it connects uh mm-hmm. in in a way that's really fun like he's a little he's a little put out by like encountering a talking dog on top of everything else and when he's drinking at the bar uh with everyone else and he's like oh i i kind of hate this i kind of hate everything um uh yeah it's just oh this made me laugh too um uh uh are you kidding black knight do you know how hot the sun is asked spider-man and then king's like earth sun about seven thousand kevin he's like that's right over ten thousand degrees and i'm like peter it's so much hotter than that that's really funny uh, two, scientist. two art panels kind of really close to each other that I really like is uh, the really beautiful, I think everything they do with translating Monica's powers is really exceptionally pretty. Yes. Um, and I really like it, especially when she goes and she takes out the um, solar eclipse. And mm, then oh, yeah. I also love the page where Noel reacts to that. And he's oh, very, yeah. very upset. And I think they did a very good job translating Noel into that page, um, seeing him both in the giant head and then cloistered uh, what we know is inside of the symbiote ball um cool planet. idea planet just huh symbiote planet yeah well the the ball that is a planet yeah um uh i i just think like not only is the art style good uh throughout i uh oh god yes okay uh, there's the part where like um kang uh again like this is working to the peter of this time period where he's a little more like brash and uh king does this thing where spider-man had attacked him and he says how dare you and spider-man's like nobody's learned and nobody respects me i'll dare anything and punches king in the face (laughs) man (laughs) it it just works so much to be this particular time period and uh and i think they had something just really special going for it and and working as like this king and black thing you've got the whole scene on king shit ship with Uatu where he's looking to the future and he's seeing Null and Null is looking back at him yeah, but, and he knows it. Yeah, because because uh, uh, Kang's like, yo, I gotta save the universe. And, and Uatu's like, there's nothing in this universe that I haven't seen that could possibly... Oh no, that's pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty bad. <laughs> and, Null's, and Null's looking right back at him and I'm yeah. like, man, like this is this is the kind of thing that I'm really enjoying in my journey through the King and Black event is because like they really make Null feel impactful beyond the event because you've got all these things that are building up like, oh shit. Um, and... and again, it's, it's so cool to like 
this like this is like late eighties, early nineties era. So it's like it is cool that like we're bringing a modern thing into the in like past, and it kind of makes sense for a fun comic booky thing, right? I'm like yeah, time ripples. I'm yeah. about it. Yeah. So I just think that they they really did hit it out of the park with this one. I think it's a lot of fun. I'm gonna uh, I'm definitely gonna read an adventure, and I'm I'm very interested to read more of the symbiote Spider Man yeah. pieces because if it's more like Jameson, then yeah. I'll, hell yeah, I like I I think Peter David's Spider Man stuff is some of his strongest stuff. Um, symbiote Spider Man uh, I think has five. Uh, series and the very last one directly dovetails into peter david's hulk run from yes. the time so he like bridges the thing right into it um i just i had a great time with this and so i'm glad you guys did too yeah mm. loved it all right well that's it um that'll do it for tonight uh ben's book club is next week but we don't know what it is i'm sure he doesn't either so hopefully, uh, hopefully well, he will before he thinks about it on Thursday. I was literally gonna say we'll find out Thursday. <laughs> yeah. Um, so stay tuned for the social media so social media to find out what that is. Um, next week, however, we do know what our topic is. It is going to be drumroll, please, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. I can't believe it. Y'all ready to cry? I am. I cannot believe it's already here. Time I'm ready to cry. Time, time goes so slow. And then I'll blink and I'm watching like the next big movie that I'm excited for. I'm like, man, I'm going to cry so hard. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm excited for this one. So um, Megan, uh, Megan uh, my wife just bought the stuffed rocket, uh, like young rocket uh, <gasps> weighted plush from Disney. So yeah, yeah. are we doing Kong this weekend? Are we doing what? Kong this weekend? Oh, King Kong. Yeah, I know what you're talking about now. Uh, yeah, we're supposed to. I got a lot of movies to watch this week. I'm going to watch all the Guardians films. I'm going to do it. All two of them. <clears throat> well, three if you count. What's his name? Holiday special. special. Um, all right. So that'll do it, guys. So stay tuned for that. Um, uh, Mag in the comments says, take care, gang. Or should I say, I am Groot. It's actually, am we Groot. are Groot. Because, Mag, you are part of the Fake Nerd Podcast family of podcasts. Look at that. Look at that. Groot. Um, cool. So... Stay tuned. So stay tuned. Uh, check out all sorts of things on this channel. Um, as far as the Victor Podcast Family Podcast goes, there's plenty of things to check out, such as Conversation, my new show, not my new show, my new season has started um, for a Conversation, uh, where I talk about where I talk to Karis Lunn from the Journey into Fandom Podcast. Podcast very similar to my own, but um, she takes it in an interesting direction. I really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, upcoming this week, hopefully. Um, Kyle Andre from the Dragon Ball Super Dope podcast. Mm, so, yeah, stay tuned for that. Um, there's a for anybody who's interested. There's a there's a, a sneak peek clip, I guess, at the end of the at the end of the Karis Lun episode. I'm trying to up, much like Ryan said last week. I'm trying to up the uh, the production quality of my of my conversation. Hell yeah. Um, check out Fickner's Watch. Fickner's Watch has. Just ended two shows, uh, Star Trek Picard Season 3 Star and Star Wars The Mandalorian Season 3, uh, both of which you can check out uh, linked below or on our channel, of course. Um, more Fake News Watches on the way. We will not be back until June. Is Secret Invasion, right? No, Strange New Worlds. Strange New Worlds. Then Secret Invasion. Right, they're what? They're back to back. They're close. Ooh. June's a good month for me. I got Strange New Worlds and Indiana Jones and Secret Invasion. Hey, baby. Hell yeah. The month of June, my month. Um, Basement Arcade, uh, which is a video game Let's Play series. Basement Arcade Pause Menu, which just put up a, a review, an older archived review. Uh, Jedi Fallen Order is available to 
to listen to and to watch now um and more episodes coming soon um Fickner book club and animation station are both uh, uh shows you can watch on this channel animation station by the way stay tuned for star wars visions volume one and volume two will hopefully follow shortly after yep so stay tuned oh stop kicking my desk um and the real score the real well, score is what'd you say i said the real score the real score uh it was our, our newest show our freshman show um where you can check out us myself uh sparks witty and our uh, good friend and collaborator jeremy Bellucci uh talking about film music uh we can find that in audio and video uh new episode soon sparks right ish <laughs> yeah i mean it was supposed to be out by now but you know like i just had to accept that that wasn't gonna happen and sure. not kill myself so um your, it'll your come out first it'll come out soon uh, it will definitely come up before the third episode. It will. Yeah. Um, that's how that works, right? Yeah. Unless it is the in, third in episode. All seriousness, in all seriousness, doll. within a week, uh, the next episode should be out. Um, check out our Patreon. So check out all the shows. Uh, uh, some of the links below. Some of them have... Su some of them you can subscribe audio-wise. Put out a lot of stuff. Uh, you can check out our Patreon and our Tee Public if you'd like to support us financially. Um, those are linked below as well as our, on our website. Everything is linked on our website, literally everything. Um, and that is at fakenerpodcast.com, which is also coincidentally linked below. Thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to everyone who watches the live show. Thank you to everyone who watches the real the, the replay after this. Don't think I didn't notice that Grayson Live was not in the chat because Ben Magnet was not here. I see your priorities, Grayson. <laughs> I see him. Wow. Um, <laughs> um, so you can check Maybe out. Maybe he was here and he was just invisible. I can see the view counter. Um, Although, Maybe to be fair, Mag didn't, Mag didn't pop up in the, in the view counter. I was going to say, Mags was here and it was still zero. Maybe so, he yeah. was here and he was just invisible. Maybe. Maybe. You know what? He's right here. It's in our hearts. It's in my lungs. Um, so, yes, thank you to everyone who, who listens, watches, and watches the replay. Uh, thank you to Jerry Bellucci for all the music you heard here tonight and all the music for all of our shows, as well as joining us on The Real Score, a new podcast. You can find him on Instagram at Jeremy Bellucci underscore Wreck of Time, or you can find his podcast, Suburban Proctologist at Facebook.com slash Suburban Proctologist Official, or Instagram at Subproc Podcast. You can find it on iTunes, obviously. Um, Thank you to Mike Matola, wonderful human being he is. Did a couple of our logos, including my new conversation logo. Um, collaborated with us, on, with us on many things. Um, we love him to death. You can find him at Mike Matola on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, just finished The Matrix. Yep. Hell yeah. Uh, peace. Um, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Fickner Podcast, FickerGuys at gmail.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us personally, I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. I also write for CBR.com, KaijuRamenMedia.com, or atom and AtomicGeekdom.com. Um, also find me, I guess, live on Sundays at Kaiju Weekly, whenever I can make it. Um, as well, uh, and uh, Ben Magnet 27 You can find him, Ben Magnet 27 on Instagram and Twitter, as well as, oh, I think on TikTok also. I don't think he uses it, but he has it. Sorry, just real quick. Kaiju Weekly is isn't that are they on Saturdays, not Sundays? Nope, Sundays. Oh, okay. So I'm just basically just streaming for like seven hours a day on Sundays. Yep. It's your life. <laughs> that is true. Um, and uh, you can find Ben Magnet. Uh, his writing is at OldSchoolGamerMagazine.com, GoNintendo.com, and FusionGamingMagazine.com. 
Sparks? Uh, you can find me eagerly anticipating uh, heading off into that infinite forever at Sparks Witty on Instagram and Twitter, S-P-R-K-Z Witty. What? Okay, okay. Guardians 3. Mm. Oh. We are fans. Yeah, we did it. Uh, Ryan? Hey, y'all. You could find me uh, maybe doing some streaming this week because my car exploded and I can't get to work, so I have free time this week at DJ Tony Snark 616. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher. By the way, I'm sorry about that. That sucks. It does. <laughs> it's true. Uh, right. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music and Podcasts, and Pandora. Rate and review wherever you get us. We greatly appreciate it. Like this video. Subscribe to this channel. Until next time we see us, guys. Stay fake, nerds. Bye.